matter what, which one of these ceremonies the engage. Cillian strange creatures are beaming down. My God, my God, they're beaming me up with them. Don't put that probe there. Don't put that probe there. Don't put a. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Listen to the Church of Mabus radio show at 11 p.m. Eastern, Saturday nights with host Jeffrey Pritchard, bringing you the high strange. Visit www.churchofmabusradio.com. That's www.churchofmabusradio.com. Tune in to the Mind Cemetery with your hosts, Chip and Nicole, every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Exclusively on the UFO Paranormal Radio Network. We delve into UFOs, abductions, ghosts, aliens, conspiracies, and cryptozoology. I hope to see you on Friday at 8 p.m. Pacific on the Galactic Connection, keeping you connected one hour at a time. For more information, please visit thegalacticconnection.com. Tune in to UFO on... Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of UFO on the Cover. I am your host, Joe Montalvo. Hope everybody's having a great evening, great afternoon, great morning, wherever you are on our beautiful blue planet. 
sorry about those moments of silence. I'm not sure what the hell was going on with pal talk there. But apparently we are live and we are here with everyone. I want to welcome everybody in the virtual auditorium. Hey, guys, what's up? A little thin in the room tonight. I wonder what's up with that. It is the holidays, and I know everyone is shopping. Uh, <clears throat> we shall persevere. Oh, yeah, but why? why whoops. Hey, guys, sorry about that. I guess Palatine is glitching pretty hard. So while we're talking, I'm going to introduce the guests this evening. And while they're introducing themselves, uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up our backup servers on live stream. I mean, not on live stream, on uh, InSpeak, uh, because PalTalk seems to be very, very glitchy. And it's, PalTalk is one of the mediums that carries out to all the different servers like LiveStream and Ustream and Live365 and Microsoft and WinAmp and all the other stuff that we're on. That's how they're picked up. So... Uh, I will be back and I'm putting this on InSpeak. And ladies and gentlemen, if you're not familiar with InSpeak, it is just another chat uh, server, just like PalTalk. If for some reason you're in a virtual auditorium and we do lose y'all, uh, we will have that room opened up as well as a backup, uh, an overflowing backup. How's that? Anyway, getting on to what we we're talking about tonight. Tonight's guests are going to be November Hanson and Jason Wilson. Now, for most of my listeners, y'all should know who both of them are. Both of them are iCard directors. Uh, both of them contribute a great deal to the organization, and we will be getting into several topics tonight. Also, feel free uh, to call in uh, you know, later in the show, 504-273-7379. Uh, that's also going to become iCar's new call-in number because the radio station is getting another new phone number. But anyway, 504-273-7379. <laughs> I see what you just typed in the room. November, bad November. Just checking, making sure you're paying attention. Yes, I was reading. But anyway, tonight's guest, November Hanson, Jason Wilson. Of course, we're going to let ladies first. So, well, proper introduction. Uh, November Hanson is our Oregon State Director. Uh, she's the big wig up in Oregon. She's also just got through building a research site. Uh, Jason named her as in charge of uh, research for ICAR these days. Uh, and, of course, I don't know who Jason is. Jason Wilson is our North American director, and he will be introducing himself in just a moment. So, November, go ahead. Introduce myself. Okay, I'm November Hansen. I am the former host of Voice of the People Radio, which is now hosted by my good friend Greg. And uh, let's see, I've been researching in the UFO community since 1998 actively. Uh, recently, I did take over the, let's see, what was the fancy title Jason gave me? International Director for Research for ICAR. Yep. I have a website set up. I'm working with another young lady named Heather. And we've got research projects up there. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later on because I want Joe to have the opportunity to introduce Jason, too. Jason, Jason. Now, listen, audience, I'm going to be polite about this. Jason is right now. Shame the hell on y'all. <laughs> He's been on. Me enough that y'all. Uh, Texas State Director, but got him recently. Got my buddy Joe Renard. I'm taking good care of my favorite state now. Um, basically, I've been involved in researching the contactee field since about 1998 myself. I'm sure we'll get into that in the show because the late 90s was an interesting time for um, 
the awareness of people and extraterrestrial contact and UFO sightings in general, so I'm sure we'll get into that one later. Uh, basically, what I do is I can't really take very much credit for anything myself because as North American director, I've got numerous other directors below me, and November, our Supreme Research Director, Supreme International, whatever you want to call it, November, it's up to you. We can child, November. <laughs> but, um, yeah, basically what I do is uh, my main job is, well, I coordinate the hard work of a lot of other people below me. I can't really take too much credit for any of it by myself, but... November mentioned Heather, who I've been coordinating with, and let me tell you, she is on the ball, and we'll probably be a whole lot more responsible for any of the good research and any of the good ideas that come out of ICAR than I will ever be, so, I don't know, it's just what I do. I take credit for other people's hard work. Yes, and I take credit for all their damn hard work, <laughs> so, it's, uh, Guys, actually, uh, Jason's being modest, but since he's taken over as North American director, he's actually got quite a bit done. And uh, he makes my life, to be blunt about this, much easier. Because, frankly, uh, with him and Tree uh, Sheridan, who's, who's a new U.S. director, with them two in place, I really no longer have to worry about Canada, America, or Mexico, for that matter. Which, frankly, y'all don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's ICAR, with the exception of Europe. It's the busiest part of ICAR. And uh, it, 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 it takes a lot. It takes a lot of people to keep tabs on all this stuff, and there's a lot of information going in. There's a lot of information coming out. And, frankly, there's so much of it coming in that it's easy for all of us. We'll all be moving in a direction. Uh, I am sorry, Pal Talk is actually a little squirrely tonight. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, anyway, uh, sorry for the interruptions. It's going to be an irritating night, I can tell, if this keeps up. Uh, I'm not sure about that. But to make a long story short, guys, all the directors really work in their own directions, moving in their own projects. And, and from time to time, uh, we get together. Uh, sometimes it's in public like this. Sometimes it's on the phones or just chit-chatting with different groups. And uh, we start formulating opinions, conclusions, thoughts, designs hypothesis, theories, whatever you'd like to call them, uh, that's where they all start and that's where they all come from. Now, there's a lot of stuff already in ICAR. There's a lot of data already present. So a lot of the stuff is simply building and adding to what we're doing. But in all frankness, from time to time, uh, like with the recent reptilian stuff and with the blood type studies, uh, we have learned that sometimes what we thought was one way turns out to be something else. And, and I've mentioned this before. In the old days, we used to talk about abductions being basically a third, a third, and a third, a third human, a third gray, and a third reptilian. But thanks to the amount of research done in one of the projects that November triggered a few years back, showed us something different. It showed us the amount, the overall amount of reports coming in for the grays is four times what it is for anything else. Uh, the humans, right now in, in our database, Almost 68% of all reports are from gray contactees. Uh, the other 25, 30% are from the reptilians and the human contactees. Now, see, we didn't well, before we weren't seeing that. And then once we started posting the studies, and people weren't actually having to fill out reports, uh, we started seeing a noticeable difference in uh, how many people were saying they were this, that, or the other thing. Uh, so, 
it, it actually at that point made us. Hey, welcome back. Jason's with y'all guys. I'm going to be playing with something. Go ahead, Jason. And, um, yeah, um, as Joe was alluding to, you know, ICAR basically, the, the, well, a little bit about I, a little bit more about ICAR is I view ICAR as like this. It's pretty much an independent republic of independent researchers <laughs> all together under the same banner working towards the same goal. I know it can be an interesting. It, it can be an interesting place to work for. I mean, certainly not everybody in the group agrees with everybody else, especially given, you know, the vast amount of uh, types of contact that are out there. I mean, there are certain, you know, tangents and shades of contact that, you know, I don't even deal with. I mean, I pretty much specialize with, you know, a certain type of contactees that have a coalescent experience and more or less come together to me. You know, we have other people that work with other more esoteric types of you know, contact. Which I'm just trying to be nice here too, but um, <laughs> basically what I'm saying is, you know, we, we've pretty much got this field covered, and we've got our thumb on the pulse of the phenomenon in ways that you know other organizations and other groups might not have access to. I don't know. Joe was talking about the breakdown of uh, some of the uh, types of contact that have been occurring too, and you know, who's getting who when. <clears throat> um, well, I'd like to say one of the trends that I've noticed in the last several months or so is the amount of reptilian contacts. tracker and all of our different surveys in general, well, maybe we can you know, kind of figure this out a little bit here. Uh, well, that's what I'm setting out to do. And uh, I want to make this point. I think Jason was suggesting earlier that I might be below him. I think everybody should send him an email and correct his yes, comments. <laughs> <laughs> I'm staying out of this. <laughs> Oh, no, oh, no. As the supreme researcher for research, no, I don't like that title very much. We'll have to come up with a better one. Well, you're the boss. If you have anything anything that I can do that requires that, all you have to do is ask, and, well, I'll start jumping and ask how high you need me to go. Okay, well, let me talk about this research stuff just a little bit before you guys uh, get all wound up in something else. Uh, 
I took this, I've actually done some research projects already. I started them, I don't know what, four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. I did the uh, gray questionnaire, and there's a actual book. Um, it's on the website that has uh, discoveries, ideas, thoughts, whatever that whole spiel that Joe gave earlier as far as what could be going on or what might not be going on. There's a whole lot of information in there. Uh, notice they keep uh, omitting the light beings. Yeah, I, I got to say something about them. They are reported in some of these abductions. It's not something anybody's really taken on yet, though. Uh, the other thing was personality traits. I had highly suspected earlier on that people within the UFO community, if you will, for lack of a better term, uh, their personality was going to be different than the community at large, which I did find out. In fact, that is the truth. Um, that is also on this uh, new website. It's also on the uh, ICAR-1 Homestead website. Another one that's just been opened up is the dream research. And I don't mean a dream as in this is what I really want to do. I mean, I'm talking dreams when you go to sleep at night. I've been wanting to do that for a while. So far, I have 16 uh, people who have responded. I need at least 30 before I can start putting data together. Uh, that's also on the website, and I'll give you this poor website. has so many domain names, it doesn't know what to do with them. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Joe. Uh, another one that's coming online probably at the end of this week is... Um, uh, experiencers and their occupations. The survey has been on the ICAR website, but Heather is going to also add it to my site. We're working with Google Drive to try to streamline uh, uh, collecting the data. Uh, like I said, that should be up and running by Friday. We're working on it. Uh, let's see, what else is on there? Oh, the event tracker. It's a weekly survey. It's a very short survey who gets those little inklings, you know, the other shoes about ready to fall. I've had a strange conversation with my sister. I had this funny vision when I was driving down the road. I had this unusual dream that just won't leave me alone. And what this is for is that over the past we've had events. You know, sometimes I get tired of talk because I name the same events all the time. But we had that great tsunami, uh, not the Japanese one, the Indian one, uh, uh, the space shuttle disaster, 911, Hurricane Katrina, several of these events. I tend to think they might be something global, something we're tuned into, something that doesn't have a name yet. Um, Anyway, so the event tracker is for people to go there. They're having these unusual experiences. They can, you know, type or fill out the 10 questions, whatever it is. I put it up on a weekly basis. It remains up there for about six weeks. Uh, The idea behind it is sometime in the future, say October 21st, 2013, there's some big earthquake someplace. Did people have some kind of inclination that something like this was going to happen, even if it was just something really subtle? And, uh, you know, so sometimes I might not get any reports in a week. Everybody's just, you know, moving along. And other times there might be that little cosmic consciousness or whatever we're going to call it uh, going on, and I'll have 10 or 15 on there. So uh, I'll put updates on the website, you know, what kind of things are coming in, if there's anything, you know, to update. And, yeah, so uh, there's also some future projects coming up. A research project on people in the UFO community and their value systems. And another one that has to do with the health of the people within the UFO community. And I'm working with Heather on one, and I'm working on my own on the other one. Those will also be added to the site in the coming weeks, months. 
And I'm also including the blood study from the ICAR site that Joe did. I cleaned it up, put it on a Google Doc, and uh, I'll be adding that to the website soon, too. So all the research, hopefully, will eventually just be in one little nice little piece. And anybody else that wants to do projects that are ICAR directors, oh, let me know. Tell me what your idea is. Let's get you set up and going. You know, here at Directors, I know some of y'all are listening to the show, so get out there and get them going. And actually, you know, uh, by the way, so y'all notice, ladies and gentlemen, all the original, um, all the original question is, all of that is still up on the site. It's never been taken down. Probably never will be taken down. Even as we conclude a research project, we still leave the project available because we may want to revisit it online because it will have co- accumulated more data again. So it's good. We can do some research, come to a conclusion post an article, cut, do a show about it, whatever, uh, release it to the general public, and then two or three years later, matter of fact, you know, I didn't tell this in November, but I've got probably another two or three hundred grays um, in my email just sitting there uh, from the report from before. And other stuff that we do, like the human report that I'm working with out of Brazil, um, you know, we've probably got about 500 of them just, just sitting in there because these are all reports that have been concluded, have come to conclusions and are now being sitting there gathering data for the next time that we decide to look through them again. It's a great process, guys, and i got to say, it's going to give us more research than any ten organizations out there combined. They just One, nobody has a, the amount of people that come and see us, and two, frankly, uh, no one's doing the kind of research we are on any basis, which still just freaks me out. You would think with us that there would be some other UFO groups, or I should say abduction groups out there, that would want to do this in a much more serious fashion, but hey... I guess I'm wrong about that. What do y'all think? No, I agree, Joe, because I go to websites. I mean, before I really started actively doing, you know, research for ICAR, I would go to websites. They got these cute little questionnaires. You fill them out, and then I think, what do they do with them? There's there's no data anyplace, no report or anything like that that shows, you know, how many people participated, what kind of responses that they got, what the percentages were as far as who had an extra vertebrae or who had ESP. Or, I mean, seriously, I just have not seen that anyplace. Now, maybe it's out there and I just haven't run across it. Uh, but I've ran across it that we'll have these questionnaires, but yet it doesn't appear that anything's ever really done with them. And uh, I wanted to change that. I wanted people to see, yes, we gather the information, and yes, we do do something with it. And, you know, you can look, you can agree, disagree, have comments, you know, everything's confidential, you know, nobody's names are given out, or, and anybody that's going to do a project will have to understand that. They're not allowed to give out anybody's names, email addresses, you know, color of hair as far as that goes. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, I like to protect the people that participate. So... Well, no, it's, it's, it's true, and it's one of the reasons I do think that we do get the people who do come to us is because we are under non-disclosure agreements. We do keep information private. Uh, and to answer Sarah's question, hey, Sarah, where are you from? California. Well, hey, nice to see you out there. Uh, no, there is stuff that we don't make public, and there will always be some stuff that we don't make public. Uh, frankly, it's for our benefit, not y'all's. It's, it's so we know who's lying and telling the truth. <laughs> I'm not going to even lie about it. That's what it's really about. But I don't think y'all understand how much data we do make available. I'm listening on another show the other night, someone, uh, uh, one of these contactees from Sirius or wherever, and I'm listening to her speak. And about every 10th or 11th thing she says, 
is iCar-based research. She goes into the generational things. She goes into other things that only we talk about, and we were the ones that originally put it forward. So it's, it's weird to hear other people talk about a date, especially when we're not getting credit for it. Um, but still, uh, it tells you how much is out there now. I mean, literally, tons of it's out there. And we don't rubber stamp it as iCard data. We just release it, whether it's radio shows or however it's released, it's released. So we just want to tee off, but like I said, we do have to keep some stuff to ourselves. Now, um, while I'm thinking about thing, oh, actually, one more thing I wanted to add about the studies was, uh, well, that's just the next evolution of our research. I mean, it's one thing to, um, you know, be in the field and talk to a number of people and, you know, have a loose statistical idea of certain trends, you know, certain quirks about the population of contactees, you know, whatever type of data you're trying to mine out of that. Well, it's, it's just the evolution of what we're doing. I mean, I have noticed trends over the years, like certain batches of contactees will have certain weird circumstances happen to them at the same time. I mean, as November was uh, talking about, this could be anything from, you know, people remembering straight-up abductions to, you know, I had the weirdest dream, and it starts getting interesting when, you know, a couple of dozen people are contacting me telling you about the same general weird dream that they had over a two- or three-night time frame. You know, peaks and sightings, you know, people start finding, you know, unexplainable marks all over their bodies. I know, it's interesting just to be able to have and pot these things out over time and location, and, you know, that just gives us, you know, some, a little bit more direction and fine-tunes our research that much more. And, you know, this is something that most people involved in the field with can definitely get aboard on. I mean, I'd like to see, I'd really like to see it work out where, you know, there's eventually, you know, a pretty much a worldwide researcher database that everybody can add information, add their information to, you know, call it, mine it, you know, look for what, look for trends, notice trends, whatever you're looking for. Cool. I don't know, I'd eventually like to see somebody collaborate and have, you know, ICAR and every other researcher and every group out there working on a database, but, you know, if something's going to happen like that, somebody's got to be... Okay, ladies and gentlemen, sorry about that. Skype dropped us for some reason. Hopefully, uh, Jason and November will be back with me. Jason, you back? Yeah, I'm back. Did I get that, cut off mid-ramble? J- no, you just wrote that last word, and I actually cleared up the audio. That was weird. I don't know. Skype just kicked us. And, uh, you know, while, before we move on, I got a bunch of new updates from Skype yesterday, and I noticed now when the audio gets a little glitchy, it kicks its own self off, hmm. <laughs> which kind of sucks when you're live. But, hey, if it clears the audio up, I won't gripe because it, it brought us right back. November, you back with us? Yes, I'm here. Uh, it, it was only like a second glitch, but anyway, we're, um, I think you were just about to wrap up before I cut us off. I think. I ain't sure. Yeah, it was a good stopping point anyway. Yeah, well, because there's, there's so much for us to do, and uh, they are, there is a need for a lot of organization. I don't understand, and I know both of you have experienced this, and, and November's the nicest out of the three of us here by far, and uh, but even she's experienced this. I mean, there are just organizations out there, for whatever reason it is, they don't want to work with us. Denise, no, new MUFON don't want to work with us, but that's half my fault, not all theirs. Okay, I have hated on their asses pretty heavy. Um, <laughs> don't distract me anymore. Uh, but 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 there are a lot of organizations for one reason or another that are scared to work with us. Now, 
you know, Sasha brought in an organization that's working with us. Our Brazilian director brought in one. Our German directors brought in one. The Madrid directors brought in another one. Uh, and the, um, oh, there's another Italian director brought in another group. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're, they're coming in and they're merging with us and they're becoming like sister groups or brother groups or affiliates or whatever you want to call them. So we're seeing that. But still, in the U.S. itself, in the mainstream part of this field, I'm not seeing much, how can I say this politely, love. It, it's more like we've become competition for everybody. And that's what, not what this is about. Um, kind of bothers me a little because worldwide we're not seeing now maybe you know now that the organization's reset itself in the u.s maybe we'll see that trend change but uh i do notice a lot of the different groups consider us competition maybe it's because of the radio station what do y'all think well i think there's a lot of problems with um you know the field of ufology and abduction research in general oh yeah that's not well 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 What constitutes a ufologist? I mean, you know, just about anybody out there can get up five minutes and look up a couple of general websites about ufology and call themselves a ufologist. I mean, you know, and try to get themselves quoted as experts or whatever. I mean, there's just so much leeway in the field and so many people doing their own thing. I mean, you have to just take a look at the field of ufology in general. I believe as it stands, it's more of a edutainment type of field, you know, that's fit for, like, History Channel and National Geographic and other type of documentaries like that. It's more of an edutainment thing than any kind of actual research. I mean, just take a look at the field. I mean, when you have, you know, the fans of ufology out there that seem to be more or less, you know, settled with people going out there doing ghost hunter type expeditions where you run around in the dark looking for evidence on the ground or aliens when it's dark and you can't see running around acting scared like oh my god what was that and then after the commercial break you find out it's a cow or a squirrel or something like that i don't know it's there are people who are involved in this field because they have had their own experiences and they want to get down to the bottom of that and I'd have to say the majority of the legitimate researchers and the vast majority of people who are affiliated with ICAR and helping us do research, well, they're experiencers themselves. I mean, we take this subject pretty damn seriously. I mean, it's, it becomes a part of your life that you have to live with. And I think part of the problem is the field of ufology. There's a constant people out there trying to form cults of personalities, sell their books, push some kind of pre peace, love, and light, religious types, space brothers, we're all going to be okay agenda. I mean, it, it just gets genuinely frustrating when you have been subject to extraterrestrial contact yourself and you see your peers in the field not even taking it seriously. Well, that's what we're trying to do, take it seriously. Oh, and don't even get me started on the Galactic Federation and all that peace, love, and light stuff. I mean, I uh, little, that was what was on on. on I mean, Monday. I cannot hate on all of the people that you know in that particular genre of the field. I've come across some who are actually giving pretty consistent information to what my more pragmatic contactees, as I like to call them, are receiving. But well, that's few and far between. So I'll just leave it at that. Oh. The Galactic Federation is interesting in itself. I will say that it's 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 entertaining. <laughs> Leave it at that. Um, but it would make it too with like with November Stone right now. It would make her life so much easier 
if you had the different groups like, uh, well, I'm not going to mention anybody's name, but the different groups were having their contactees come take the different tests or, or come take the different uh, questionnaires, it would help everybody out. And I've told them, I've actually told this to several groups, including MUFON, by the way, were willing to share the data. Uh, I, I said, look, I said, I would talk with the research directors, and I said, we could even give you raw data, but we want y'all to want your people to participate. Now, in the past, I have to say, MUFON has agreed to this, and we have done a couple of things in the past. Uh, all of it covert, but still, hey, you know, it works, it works. But there are a lot of groups out there that have small groups of contactees, 25, 50, 100. You know, contactees tend to cluster together. It's, it's part of what they do. And uh, we, we want them, their feedback. We want their feedback. We want them to get involved. We want them to take the questionnaires. And this is a good way to help and stay anonymous. Or it's a good way to help and not stay anonymous but not have to participate other than taking a questionnaire. It's, it's, it's just a good way of contributing without having to do something like what we're doing up here. If you, you, know, you know, there's levels of involvement that can help out. And anybody who, you know, needs, everybody should go take the questionnaire that's a contact date. They really should. They should pop over to the iCar, what is it now, iCarResearch.com, is that what it is now? Oh, my goodness. Is it, isn't it iCar-dash? Ah-dashresearch.com, that's right. See, I almost forgot that. Yeah, iCar-research.com, iCar-research.org, iCar-research.com. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I got to look crazy. Science dot net dot I don't know there's and then there's icarresearch dot tk and I'm not sure who put who did that one that <laughs> wasn't mine well anyways and, and it's on the icar one homestead site access to it um, oh it's on the news oh I'm glad you brought that up uh, the icar one dot coms okay I know we're confusing people here there's icar one dot homestead dot com that is the old 500 page site. It is still there's a lot of data there, and we're not sure what left there that we want to put on the new iCar1.com site. The iCar.com one site has been completely upgraded. All the old directors have been taken off. All the new directors have been taken on along with all their new positions. All that has been added, the research projects have been added. And our little genius webmaster decided to make this site uh, 50K, uh, or I should say modem-friendly. Okay, which means if you're on high speed, it's like real time when you're on our site. I'm not kidding y'all. Everything on that site is like click, 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 click. I mean, as fast as you click, as fast as the site runs, it is fantastic. But if you're on dial-up, it actually works, and it doesn't make you wait 10 minutes to look at a page. I got to give the guy credit. It was, it was a phenomenal thing he did, and uh, it's just a good way of doing it. Uh, yeah, is that what it is? See, I get confused on all of this. iCard-research.com. Well, you know, you buy the .com and they give you the .org, the .tk, the .everything else for practically free anyway. Yeah, they do. And we own, I think we own 45, maybe 50 domain names at GoDaddy now. Uh, oh, by the way, I got some going up on auction. Um, AlternativeTalk.com and .org are going up on auction. To the person who just asked me about the the uh, the election ones, no. I, I should have sold them this past election, but I kept them, and I will probably keep them until 2016. Uh, it ought to be a good election. It'll be a good time. Maybe I'll donate them to one of the camp campaigns. Hey, the midterms are coming up too. Oh, that's true too. Maybe they are. So, but anyway, long story short, icar1.com or icar1.homestead.com is two different sites. Uh, a lot of it repeated. The, the icar1.com is much cleaner, much faster, much easier to use. And right now, is averaging around two thousand clicks a day. 
I'm quite impressed with that little site. And, and when it was the old site, it, it averaged about 500 clicks a day. So it shows you quite cleaning it up makes a difference. That's irritating, by the way, but I can understand that. The new site is much cleaner and much smoother. The old site is much more of a cluster. Um, well, we'll just call it a cluster and leave it at that. Uh, it served its purpose for almost a full decade, so I'm not going to criticize it. And it had three different designers. And it's probably one of the largest sites on the Internet. <laughs> it's out of control. Oh, and Shirley, to answer your question, no, the new you can link to Davenport's site through the new iCarl1.com site. But it's not set up like the old site is. The old site each had each individual state and each individual country where you could just click, and it took you to Peter Davenport's site and showed you all the information there. Uh, so Ryan's, Ryan's got a good question. Um, uh, I've been meaning to get back to you on that one too, Ryan. Um, I know we work with Farah. Oh, what's her last? I butcher her last name every time. Yeah, so a, yeah, I can't pronounce it to save my life. Um, yeah, we don't know if we've got anybody in Turkey. Um, we're yes, Farah. Her, but we got anybody else on the ground over there? Uh, there's two others over there that assist her. I could find out for you. Uh, but Farah does handle most of our stuff in Turkey. But hey, uh, if 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 she makes you nervous or something, there are two other people in Turkey that can help you out. That's working with us. Um, we've got a new German director coming on board this year, and um, <clears throat> I wasn't going to tell you all this tonight, but I was going to wait. You know, ICAR is associated politics. Whether we agree, disagree, or not, we are. We have we share a lot of directors with exopolitics. And uh, I was at a meeting the other day, uh, a Skype meeting, with about 12 of Stephen Bissett's directors who want to come on board with us in their individual company countries as ICAR directors. Now, there are like three uh, exopolitics directors already working with us, so it's not a big deal. And when I say exopolitics, this is Stephen Bissett brand of exopolitics, not uh, Michael Sala or um, Alfred Weber. Uh, and, and I have respect for all three guys, by the way, but Stephen's into the disclosure stuff, and the people working with him are, are much more detail-orientated. Uh, Michael Saul is working with the abduction stuff and stuff along those lines, and we still do keep close ties with him and see what's going on. Um, but, you know, we are working with him. And for everybody who's familiar with last night's interview, Stephen has launched a citizen's project, a citizen's hearing project. Uh, which is um, they're basically going to get every known witness, every person who's ever worked for the government or Milan or JPL or anything along those lines, and they're putting together a conference next year. Actually, it's a hearing next year in the Washington Press Club, and they're bringing in five ex-congressmen to hear it. Uh, this ought to be make the news all over the place. Uh, we will definitely be there working press. I talked with him about that last night. But... Um, uh, these are the kind of things that we like to be associated with. These are people doing legitimate research in hardcore areas and hard-fought areas. Whether we, and you know, and anybody who's ever listened to Steve and I knows we don't appear. And, I, and November and Jason are probably the same way. I personally, unless ET discloses, I don't think there'll be disclosure in my lifetime. Uh, unless ET does it, I, I just you know, the contactees are already disclosed. There's already disclosure. We talk about it all the time. But as far as Barack Obama or whoever's the next president after him disclosing uh, I, I can't even see a reason why they would disclose so but I'm always willing to back anybody who wants to fight with the government over disclosure because I think keeping secrets is a bad thing well you know the whole the whole UFO Area 51 Roswell technology question always raises its head at some form especially in the especially in the uh, primary process and I don't know 
You know what? Anybody who takes the anybody who who appears to take the question seriously is going to get torn up by the media and everybody else is running against them. Oh, you're the UFO nuts. I mean, we need to find November. A politician uh, uh, can explain about aliens and UFOs. No, it's never going to happen. Yeah, no. We need to find November an intern so we can launch a UFO project. I keep getting requests. Look, and, and I've said this before, guys. When it comes to UFOs, really, MUFON, Davenport, Filer, uh, pretty much UFOs. That's pretty much who you got these days. Davenport, MUFON, Filer. Um, before D had gotten sick, her and I had discussed adding a UFO division to iCarbage. Frankly, I don't have the time. And to be frank about it, I don't have the interest for it. Um, chasing lights in the sky, I like to do when I got free time. I have to be around, see something I find interesting. I might go check it out, but it's not something I want to do every day. Because frankly, I don't think I don't think the truth is going to come from chasing lights in the sky. Okay, I think the truth is going to come from the contactees and what's going on with them. And uh, frankly, that's where I find the information to be. But because we do have such a large organization now, and, and we will be breaking. Uh, I'm pretty sure records in, in ufology field and how large of an organization it'll be. Um, I am willing to entertain a UFO division, but I'm not running it. And I know Jason ain't running it. And I know November ain't running it. No, no, I'm not going to no. do UFOs. So, UFOs so, are a dime a dozen. You know, um, you know what? Well, here's the thing, here's the thing about UFO research in general. Um, you know, I believe it has a lot of value. And... I mean, I might hate on MUFON a little bit because I've had a couple of bad personal experiences with them myself, but, hey, for the most part, they do their job of taking sighting reports, cataloging them, and, you know, putting them up there for people to read and peruse through. You know, there are a couple of other people that do that, Davenport, UFO Sightings Report. You know, there's a number of organizations out there that are doing that. I mean, I think it would be kind of redundant for ICAR to do it. I mean, especially when there are already people that are better organized that have been doing this for decades. I agree. I mean, like I said, if we're going to do it, then we need we need to bring somebody in that wants to do just that, you know, make it a, just a separate division. Because, frankly, uh, I agree. I mean, there's better organizations out there suited for chasing lights in the sky than us. Uh, there I mean, are, I, per- I, personally, I personally refer people to uh, Peter Davenport and Newport, you know, to report their sightings to. That's so how I handle it. Actually, I, I think on the sites that uh, ICAR's official UFO reporting is Peter Davenport, I'm pretty sure. Because uh, we do keep his links to, on our sites. I'm pretty sure that's who we uh, But to, to Sarah Houdin about MUFON, no. Feel free to write to MUFON about UFOs. If you're an abductee, no. You don't want to be there because, frankly, their abduction research stinks. But if you have sightings or, or involved with alien craft or things like that, yeah, they're a good organization to call. Well, I'll say, I'll say one other good thing about MUFON, too, is um, regardless of the organization, there are a lot of good individual members within the group that, you know, I think it would be worth your time to get a hold of some of these individuals, you know, based on their own merits, you know, not MUFON in general, but, yeah, they do have some good people, and they don't all suck. No, they don't. And, and in all fairness, we share... Um, Probably half of MUFON's 2,500 members are ICAR members. So in all fairness, we do share a lot of membership with them. And we even share a couple of directors. So, um, you know, we're, as an organization, especially November, 
uh, we're willing to work with anybody. We really are. Just the reason I said November is because she's just nicer than Jason and I are. Uh, I'll admit, I'm pretty easygoing. I'm about information and data collection and seeing what we can come up with. I'm not into the politics of it all. <laughs> yes, I, I, she gets quite perturbed with me when I talk about that, by the way. Uh, I don't, the politics <laughs> and the infighting, I mean, God, that, that's one of the worst things about the entire field of ufology right there is entirely that. I mean, let me tell you, I got some stories I have some stories about people that you've all probably heard of that would make your jaw drop to the floor. But I won't go into any of that crap right now, which I hear about, but, I mean, God, I try not to participate in. Uh, oh, Don, to answer your question, yes, the Cafe Press site is up. And to be truthful, I forgot about the site. I forgot we had it. <laughs> yeah, I know, Bad Bad Joe. Uh, I had forgot all about it. The only reason I remembered is they sent me a check. Uh, what it does is because it's a paid-for site, anything it sells, you know, has to cover itself every month. So uh, Cafe Press texts it. So apparently, I wasn't making any money, so I wasn't paying attention. And they sent us something the other day. And uh, but I talked with Stephanie Bonetti about taking over the duties of that site and cleaning it up and making it a little bit more professional and adding a few uh, subject matters. I mean, we're adding a few more products uh, to the line. I just recently had them decrease the profit margin to 2% or 3%. Really, it's really there for advertising more than it is for anything else. But there is a lot of good artwork there. And by the way, while I'm on this, if you're an iCore member or just someone who listens to the show or any of the shows, and you would like to donate artwork to the organization for those purposes, feel free. Um, but no, I'm saying it ahead of time. Uh, you will get a piece of paper back saying that we have the right to use it for whatever we want because what we're doing is some of our contactees are submitting artwork that will be going on T-shirts and mugs and stuff like that. Um, like the iCar thong, which someone just sent me a instant message about. Yes? What's weird is I've actually, in the past couple of weeks, I've had a couple of people inquire about the, avail the availability of the infamous Joe Montaldo face thong. Oh, God. Yeah, you cannot get my face on a thong. Just so you all know, it ain't out there. Before anybody even writes to me and asks me, no, you can't. Uh, you can get a lot of things that I thought. There's, there's, I don't know, a hundred and something pictures of it. The one that sells the best, uh, there's actually two that are tied right now. It's a white one, and it says iCar in the front of it. It's in purple. It just says iCar. That's it. Uh, it sold quite a few. And there's another one uh, that's a circle uh, with a, it's a really interesting photo that's on it. That's the other one. Other than that, everything else on that it sells is pins and T-shirts. A lot of pins get sold. A lot of, uh, you know, the kind you pin on your lapel, that kind of stuff. I don't know. They're cool looking. I know that. I bought some to take to give away at conferences. They look cool as hell, i got to say. Uh, but it, all it does is just help us pay for websites and upkeeps and bandwidth. And the old days, i got to be frank, we can't have enough members or enough visitors to worry about bandwidth issues. Unfortunately, now we have three sites that regularly bust their bandwidth. I mean, the Paranormal Radio, the archive site last month, busted their bandwidth by 500 gigs. Um, the iCar site busted its bandwidth by about 40 gigs. Um, so it shows you the amount of traffic coming through there. And both companies give us a good, a good amount of space for what we pay. So, well, let me put it this way. With GoDaddy and Homestead, we have both Tier 1. Uh, it's the highest packages they have. Uh, that's what the station and uh, the organizations run on. 
Uh, and we do use multiple services. We use Homestead, GoDaddy, and Canica. Well, there's a lot of people in, in general that are more interested in the field. And I don't know, in the last 10 years or so, I'd say we've watched the field of ufology and, well, paranormal in general kind of, you know, just explode and get huge. I mean, back when I was younger, I mean, every what was the most exposure that you had to, a, you know, the alien and UFO topic? I mean, there's, what, a couple of in-search of specials. Every now and then they'd run a UFO or abduction story on Unsolved Mysteries. I mean, that was pretty much it, you know. I don't know. It all just seemed to really blow up about the time the X-Files got really popular. There was just something about the... There was just something magical about the 90s that... I mean, the field really kind of came into its own. Yeah. Especially in the late 90s, as uh, both, uh, well, both November and I kind of alluded to it earlier. I mean, there are certain just periods of, how can you call it, generalized awakening that, you know, happen every decade or so that, I don't know, it's just weird. Timing of it all is just really, really weird. I mean, most of the contactees that you talk to, I guarantee if you ask what was going on with them and their contact in the late 90s, most of them will probably tell you that's about the time things got interesting. Well, we got uh, Michael Mansfield is writing in. Where are you writing in from? Oh, from England. Uh, London, England. Hello, this question is actually directed at November, I believe. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Yes, okay. Uh, it is for November. He, he, he directed his question. His first part of the question is basically he wants to know why and how you got into this field. What do you hope to achieve in it? And um, have you ever thought that you were just crazy for being involved with? And, and the last part was. Spare time. I have a totally ordinary life. I have a job, totally uh, a family uh, that I'm very much part of. I've also got a lot of background noise, and I have no idea where that's coming from. I apologize for that. Sorry about that. At the end of the 90s, I was having some very intense and unusual experiences. I didn't know where to put it. Um, so just asked questions, uh, snooped around a bit, and thought it might fit into this field just nicely. And so I don't know. I, I have more questions than I do answers. The research, what do I hope to gain by that? I'm not out to gain anything. And to be quite honest, I think what I'm doing now is what nobody's done before yet. And real results will probably come 25 to 50 years from now. Somebody else will pick up on these research projects, maybe not all of them, but some of them, and do something with it. I don't. I don't know that we're at a point in our technology and our own evolution, you know, it's kind of the start of something that I'll probably never see the end of. And I don't know, it's fascinating to me. I've really, I've talked to hundreds, I mean hundreds of people who've had these experiences. And so many of them, especially in the late 90s, they wanted to be able to talk about the subject openly without being judged. 
And maybe that's what this is all about. I just want it to be able to be done, and people don't need to be judged. If, if it's of interest to them, why does anybody else care? They're still doing their daily lives. They're still raising their families. There just happens to be something a little bit different. <laughs> and I, I don't know if that answers the question adequately, but that's, you know, in a nutshell. No, thanks for that answer. And, uh, Mike, thanks for writing in from London. It's always nice to have Londoners. I know it's uh, wee hours of the morning over there. It's like almost 2 a.m. there, Tom. Uh, so I'm glad you're up having a joe or a drink, whatever y'all have. Forbidden history, grisly ghosts, monstrous cryptids, and harrowing folklore dominate Japan's history and culture. Mysterious Japan is a bi-weekly podcast presenting these spine-chilling horror stories, urban legends, and unbelievable histories in a campfire story format. Many of these tales have never been presented in English before. Our journey takes place where dark history and supernatural folklore collide. Mysterious Japan is produced, written, and translated by recognized Japan expert Dr. Heath Avey. Season 1 relates the unbelievable legends and ghost stories from the so-called suicide forest. Listen to Mysterious Japan for free on Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Learn more at our website at themysteriousjapan.com and be transported by unbelievable stories where the lines between reality and folklore become blurred in the shadowlands of Japan. Once again, that's themysteriousjapan.com. put it this way. Anybody who has come to the conclusion that, yes, I am involved in some okay, strange phenomenon, do have some okay, kind of injuries in me, and I believe in visiting me, nobody comes to that conclusion lightly. Okay, there is so much second guessing, so much internal psychoanalyzation. I mean, it, it, it's not a conclusion that anybody comes to lightly. I mean, in a lot of cases, it takes literally decades and decades of strange experiences and strange coincidences and, you know, things that simply cannot be explained away conventionally before somebody will come down to the conclusion and say, okay, yes, or maybe I am an extraterrestrial contactee for, you know, reasons I'd like to figure out. You know, that's where most people are. I mean, yeah. You question your own sanity quite a bit. Yes, Honey Boo Boo going to be a millionaire, and the fact that she's from the South makes me want to cry. Sorry about that, Jason. I just seen that in the That was a, not even a good comment for what actually what Jason just finished up saying. But uh, We're going to be going to break. Hey, Sky, I seen you had your hand up. Uh, you call in on the, well, let me see where I can get where I can see the actual call in line. Uh, sorry if I'm not looking at it. I've got the audio turned off, so I can't hear it, so i got to actually be looking at the screen, so... Uh, we're going to be taking a break here in just a few minutes, and I will be turning y'all over to some music in a few seconds here. Um, one more question I've seen. Hold on. Where did it go? Where did it go? Well, you'd think by now I'd keep these questions up on my screen. Okay, this is from Harrison, and he is writing in from Diamond Head, Mississippi. I wonder if that's... Well, anyway, I won't, I won't embarrass him in case it is him. Uh, basically, this question is, is for Jason... Uh, have you he wanted to know oh now this is a question I do hear a lot by the way he wants to know have you 
what what kind of experiences would you consider to be good and bad in your own the good and bad thing goes, uh, I don't know, a lot of that just depends upon the perspective. From my personal experiences, which, now if I went into them, we'd run over the break and that would be like a two or three hour show on itself right over there. But um, from my experiences, I'd have to say, well, look at it from this perspective. The fact that there are people out there that are being asked and not even being allowed to remember being not even being allowed to remember being that can be considered intrinsically bad. Hey, you know, I can definitely see that point of view. You're not asking for this contact. It happens, and there's doesn't appear to be a damn thing that you can do to stop it. You know, from that point of view, you can consider it, you know, pretty negative and pretty bad. I mean, that's a violation of, you know, your basic rights right there. You know, I can't begrudge anybody that looks at it from that particular point of view. Uh, from the point of view that I pretty much take about it is, look, I think that there are a lot of things that have happened to me, and a lot of people share that same sentiment. That there's more going on than they can actually remember, and that they genuinely like to unlock some of that just to know what's going on. But uh, from the perspective of, and I'm not trying to speak for contactees in a whole, but an awful lot of my sample group feels that way, they don't necessarily look at it as good or bad, you know, based on that evidence. It's, you know, the fact that they're taking you is bad. The fact that they're taking, bringing you back could be considered good. Um, the way that, I mean, there are a lot of people that do remember a lot of the negative experiences. You know, straight up medical experiments, I mean, psychological type mind games, I mean, a myriad of things that you can consider negative experiences, but I don't know, as far as outright evil, yeah, I know a few people who think that what is going on is bad, no good can come out of it, you know, yeah, you know some people even look at it from a demonic perspective. I guess a lot of it just depends on, you know, who you are, what your experiences have been, and basically how you feel about it. I've noticed it. I believe a lot of that is simply fear of the unknown and not knowing what's happening to you. You know, as these people progress and have more experiences and become a little bit more aware of what's going on, you know, it... The attitude can, you know, even change, you know, something to like a big grudging, you know, something to like accept a grudging, go on with it, and actually want it to happen so they can get more information and try to figure it out. And on every now and then you have a couple of people that decide, hey, whatever's happening to me, I'm on board. I want to willingly participate with this and help it happen. I mean, it, it just really a lot of it depends on, you know, who the contact is, where they are psychologically. You know, how long they've been dealing with it. I mean, different people take it in different ways, I guess is what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. And, and they do deal with it in different ways. But I know, guys, we're going to jump out of here right quick because we're running over on the break. Nancy, uh, about your UFO question, maybe we'll address that when we come back. Uh, guys, everybody, we're going to be back in about eight minutes. I want everyone to please stay tuned to UFO on the cover. I'm speak, sitting and speaking with Jason Wilson and, what, what, Jason Wilson and November Hansen. Uh, come back and join us, and uh, we'll open the phone lines in a second now. So see you all in eight.
Friday evening at a Global Focus's new time, 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Come join the discussion. Light up your night with The Kevin Smith Show. 
Hi, this is Kevin Smith. Join me Monday through Friday right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Hey, hi there. Got your attention? I'm Gia Scott, and I was curious what you were doing from 7 to 9 p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays. See, I host this really interesting little radio program that airs live then, and we bring in all sorts of guests. Authors, experiencers, and everything in between. It's paranormal and guaranteed to make you go, hmm. My guest list is always up at www.giascott.com. And do tune in to the Dawn of Shades from 7 to 9 p.m. on Tuesdays. Breaking news. Strange black pyramid UFO ships over every major city on the earth. People are exhilarated and scared. Reptilian strange creatures are beaming down. My God, my God, they're beaming me up with them. Don't put that probe there. Don't put that probe there. Don't put a... The, uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. Listen to the Church of Mabus radio show at 11 p.m. Eastern, Saturday nights with host Jeffrey Pritchett, bringing you the high strange. Visit www.churchofmabusradio.com. That's www.churchofmabus.com. Radio.com everybody. This is Erica Getch. I hope to see you on Friday at 8 p.m. Pacific on the Galactic Connection, keeping you connected one hour at a time. For more information, please visit thegalacticconnection.com. Tune in to UFO Undercover. Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern with your host, Joe Montaldo, right here on the Paranormal Radio Network. Just couldn't participate. <laughs> yes, yes, we did get a little on the geek speaky stuff at the break. Uh, but hey, you know, computers are a great thing. Remember, guys, you can write to any of the three of us if you've got a question or a comment or anything along those lines. Feel free. Um, be sure, or oh, excuse me, be sure to go check out all the sites. Um, every site we have the UFO on the cover, the Paranormal Radio Network, the iCar1.com, and the iCar1.homesake.com all link back to the iCar research site that November's handler and taking care of. It's her baby. And uh, it all links back there. So go over there, participate, you know. Get involved. If you've got any good ideas, write to us. Look, we're always looking for new projects. Um, and I have to agree with what November was saying just before the break. 
I don't think, I mean, this, there's a lot of data here coming in every day. <clears throat> I mean, a lot. And as an organization goes, we know a lot more about abductions than probably any of the other ten put together. But by saying that, I want you all to understand, we still only have a small piece of the puzzle. Uh, let's say this puzzle has a million pieces. ICAR might have 10,000 pieces. Whereas everybody else might have 500 pieces, but still, in a puzzle with 10 million pieces, what does 10,000 tell you? Not much. What is that, like the outside border or something? <clears throat> I mean, let's be honest about it. Uh, we learn a lot, and we learn a lot every day. And I, learn, and I personally learn something new pretty much every day in this organization. But um, what's going to come out of it? November's right. A lot of this data will be used by uh, our grandkids or great-grandkids. Uh, they'll probably incorporate this into a lot of their research, just like we did. I mean, when ICAR started, we used John Mack's work. We used David Jacobs' work. We used Doug Bud Hopkins' work. We used Daryl Sims' work. We used MUFON's work. Um, qu uh, quite a few other organizations out there, like Elon Smith and Mary Robbo and a few other people's. We incorporated this all in along with the original 5,000 case study uh, a long time ago. And, and so it gave us a good base and a good place to start from. Now, of course, now we've been doing this a long time. We know that there's a lot of stuff wrong with Jacob's work. Uh, you know, the reptilians are here eating us and doing all this other stuff. And uh, it's not that they're good or bad. It's just not what they were saying. Uh, it's not like what Ike's saying either. Uh, you have to use the data to find out what they're actually saying. The grays, there's all kinds of stuff about the grays. The grays work for this one. The grays work for that one. The grays did this. Well, we know that's not true now. We know that the reptilians and humans are both scared of the grades. If the grades work for anybody, it's for the light beams that November mentioned earlier, um, which is which. I personally, now I can't speak for everybody else, but I don't think I have personally reviewed. I don't know somewhere between fifty and a hundred cases where the word light beam was even used. Now, what about you, November? <clears throat> I, I haven't seen I haven't seen a whole lot either. When I did do the gray survey, I asked about uh, presence mm -hmm. of other uh, entities, aliens, uh, light beings was one of them. I think there were nine that responded that there was a presence of that. There was about actually there was about the same amount of people nine or eight. Let's go with eight to ten that reported along with their gray experience that there was a reptilian experience or a human type or a mantis type or a, a light being type. Uh, so, I mean, there does seem to be some interaction there amongst what is being reported. Um, you know, I, I we don't have enough data to really, I don't know, to assume, you know, who's doing what and where. And <laughs> I tend to think just by what I've looked at and what I've listened to that we're probably dealing more with a scientific study than anything. I don't think extraterrestrials are here to take over the planet. Um, I don't think we would make very good slaves. I don't think we would make very tasty food. And, I, I mean, seriously, I think anything that I've looked at, just me personally, tends to be some kind of a scientific study. Mm -hmm. And it's done at a level that we don't really, we don't have the terms for. We don't necessarily have all the knowledge for. As history progresses, as we evolve, and as our technology progresses, I think some things will change. Um, the reason why I say that is there was this one story, I remember it from the 1970s. It was actually a TV show, and it was talking about a guy that had some kind of tube injection something inserted into his uh, nostril. And, of course, over the years, that developed into an implant. This is how they were doing implants so that they could track people. 
quite frankly, I would think that advanced don't need no implants. We have DNA that will <laughs> really sweetly identify us all as individuals. Yeah. So there's no sense running around putting little things in people. But another thing is if they were doing a scientific study, instead of putting something in somebody's head, maybe they were extracting something out. And like I said, better technology, new medicine, that types of things really led me to believe that that could be a possibility. So as we're doing our research, if you think about what people thought what was happening, you know, back in the 70s, 60s era, and then you look at today, it has changed a lot, and it should. I mean, based on new information, you should be willing to change what it is that you're looking at. You should. I agree with that 100% with us, but I, don't, I never did understand the, the problem with if you learn something new, changing it. You know, I mean, 30 years ago, uh, when a lot of this research got started, they didn't know half what we do today. And thanks to them, we do know a lot more than we do. And thanks to us, we know a lot more. And whoever comes along behind us is going to use theirs and our work. Uh, well, 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 here's one of the things, Joe. I mean, one of the reasons that you know, some, of our, you know, some of our data and some of our theories about it have changed isn't because um, you know, the researchers themselves have changed. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, come up with their pet theory and they stick with it until the day they die and it never changes or anything like that. But it's not the researchers and the nature of the research or necessarily the nature of the experiences that are even really changing. The big change is the amount of people that are coming forward and, you know, telling us about their experiences in the first place. Yep. And... You know, that's who we really owe everything to. I mean, it's one thing for me to say that, you know, I'm Jason Wilson and I'm an expert in this field because I've been <laughs> researching it since 1998, and that's, you know, you know, a, a decade and some change. You know, that's a lot of years. You know, listen to me. Don't listen to me. I owe everything. You know, some of it is based on experiences that I've had. That what got me. That's what got me interested in this field in the first place. But... I have to say I owe everything to the experiencers themselves. I mean, th that's what this is all about. And, you know, the, the people who come forward and share their experiences, I mean, that's the only way we're going to get to the bottom of the equation, and that's what we're trying to do here. I agree, Jason, and that really goes along with what the question the gentleman from England was asking earlier, you know, asking, you know, well, what kind of got you into this? Maybe it's, well, what keeps me into this? Going back 12 years, it was the child prodigy who eventually died of cancer, who became a very good friend of mine that was so interested in this subject. It had so many ideas that probably had some of the most brilliant ideas uh, that I would, you know, that really made sense uh, to the to the minister in another country, um, you know, whose faith was never rattled. But he had, he had an up close and personal UFO. He just knew for his own fact that there was life out there someplace, but it wasn't going to rattle his faith or change his life or anything like that. To the person who was the hospital director that had the great experience that wanted the venue to be able to talk about it without being judged, I mean, I could just go on and on and on because there's so, been so many different people. They're interested. They want to know. They do understand that there's not all the answers out there, and they a lot of them have really become to understand that we're dealing with a, a puzzle or a mosaic. We're dealing with something where there's so many different little pieces. Unless people are willing to give up their information, 
it's it's going to be hard to ever put together some kind of coherent picture. And that is what keeps me going with this. It's interesting. Uh, age at Bridges, sexual orientation at Bridges, uh, race at Bridges, uh, creed at Bridges, religion at Bridges, everything. And people can come together and talk about their experiences. And there is no, you know, there's none of this, I don't know, these other things that divide humanity on the planet. And it is a subject, it's also a gateway subject. I mean, you're not just learning about a UFO or an ET or what a reptilian might look like. You've got to read about science. You've got to read about medicine. You've got to read about ancient history. You've got to read about all kinds of different things in order to effectively study the field. You can't just put together a whole bunch of things and say, oh, this is it. This is the answer. Anthropology, that's another one. You have to be willing to study a whole bunch of other types of fields. You know, look at the emerging sciences and look at, you know, possibilities of life elsewhere and all the different equations for that and Drake equation and whatnot. I mean, there's so many different things that you have to look at. This just is not a UFO and uh, contactee, you know, exclusive field. It involves many different fields. Yeah. You know, psychology is another important aspect of it, too, and um, that's one of the reasons I have a lot of respect for the late John Mack. Is, I mean, you know, this guy's a tenured Ivy League professor. He went into the field looking at these people claiming that they're having extraterrestrial contact, and, well, he came away with the conclusion that, yes, he was. He learned an awful lot about how everyday people deal with extraordinary circumstances and you know that's something that we work with and we see every day with the people that we talk to I mean it, it's that's one of the things that um, you, you really start to well kind of you know become a little bit more aware of once you dealt with, an, with a number of uh, these individuals is you know what you know how do, what makes them tick you know, how do they process this information? How do they deal with, you know, being involved in something that's, you know, so strange that, you know, everyday society thinks you're an idiot just for even bringing it up? I mean, it's really interesting. That's psychology. Yeah, that's definitely one of the important aspects. And, you know, I'd like to see another tenured professor, you know, other experts in the field or at least somebody with a Ph.D. take a look at, the psychology of people who've experienced events of high strangeness, you know, and make that, you know, some official good scientific research. I think there are a lot of interesting conclusions that can, you know, be made from that type of it, that type of thing. Oh, yeah. Are y'all staying out of trouble? No. <laughs> no. I just, Why would I do that? I, I can see Skyman's got his hand up. Quick thing I was reading while I was listening because I was making coffee while y'all were talking. Um... I was reading something. A lady wrote in. Uh, she asked me not to mention her name. I will tell you this. She's from Cleveland, Ohio. And she wanted to know why she should trust you, November. And for that matter, she wrote in right underneath that in big, bold letters, why should I trust any of you people in what I may or may not know? Now, for me personally, you don't have to trust me. Uh, I, for me, what I would tell you, if you were going to deal with me or any of my cars directors, ask around. Uh, if you'd like us to provide references, oh, we can do that. I mean, uh, there's lots of contactees. The main thing is we are all under non-disclosure agreement, so your information is safe with us. It's not going anywhere that you don't want it to go. Say so know that right off the bat. Uh, and we don't, we're not known for like other organizations where 
things just turn up in books or um, become books or anything like that. Stuff doesn't happen like that. And trust me, we've got some really good scary stories. As far as trusting November, all I can tell you about that is I trust November implicitly. Uh, she knows that. I tell her all the time. She writes to me she says, all the time. Can we do this? Can we do this? I said, November. You can do whatever you want because I trust you, and I do. Uh, she's one of the few people. There's a handful of people I actually trust that much, and she just happens to be one of them. Uh, all I can tell you is get to know her, see who she is. She's quite personable. She's very nice. And uh, six or seven years she was doing radio, she only ever got one complaint. That's a miracle in itself because even Jason, who ain't even been on the air in four years, gets complaints. <laughs> so... Uh, I, I don't know how she did that. She's, she's, uh, but I would tell y'all, if there's somebody you want to do research with, she's the lady you want to do research with. But I'll let her answer for herself now. Well, no, it's a very good question. I agree. I would be asking myself the same thing if I was, you know, looking to be a part of a study anyplace else. Why should I trust this individual? I really, I really don't know how to. I mean, I can tell you, you can trust me because. I, I really don't have anything to gain by this. For me, this is uh, I don't want to really write either. This is what I choose to do with my spare time. I'm not looking for attention. I'm on a radio program because I want people to participate. I need to be on the radio to get the word out that we have these projects going. Um, I have turned down a book deal because I don't want to sit around and write. For, uh, it's, it's a nightmare to even do something like that. Uh, I just really haven't had any interest. My only interest is in moving the subject forward, that's it, and creating a venue in which people can feel comfortable openly talking about their experiences to whoever they want to or whoever they choose not to. Um, I've done several studies. I've never released anybody's personal information. Most of the time I don't even ask personal information. When I say that, I have had people actually volunteer, email me and say, I work here or I do this or, you know, if you need to contact me, you know, this is my email address. Be careful what you say because it's coming through. I'm not giving anything away um, because I am that protective over the people who want to participate in these surveys. If, if I can't be trusted, if I buy, you know, people participating, then I'm wasting my time even doing it to begin with. So... You know, I, I don't know what else to say. I really have nothing that I intend to gain by any of this, except it is my own personal endeavor. It's my thing that I chose to do with my life. Now, now this, this well, see, I'm going to say, I'm going to go off and say that um, you shouldn't trust me. I mean, not at face value. You have no reason to implicitly trust me. I mean, for all intents and purposes, I'm some guy that, you know, you hear it on the radio now and, you know, maybe heard me once or twice in the past. That's not enough to base, you know, a trust-based relationship or anything about. Um, all I gotta say is, um, you know, talk to me and get to know me. I mean, when it comes down to it, this is what the basis of, you know, abductee research is: is people talking to people about their experiences. I mean, I've had my experiences. I mean, I'd like to hear yours. You know. I don't, I'll just put it this way. I see where you're coming from. I don't just um, pick people at random and be like, you know, I've seen UFOs and I've seen an alien on an occasion or two. I mean, uh, hell no, I don't trust anybody in that manner. For that matter, I don't trust, I wouldn't trust, you know, my personal experiences because these are your own deeply personal, you know, life-altering experiences that have happened to you. I wouldn't trust them at random to anybody too. So I just have to say, well... 
you know, talk, just talk to me. Decide if you trust me or not, and hey. Guys, uh, Jason and I are both on Facebook, so you can reach us there. November is, but y'all don't bug November on Facebook. That's, you know, just don't. Bug her somewhere else. <laughs> Jason and I have public profiles. You can bug the hell out of us. But um, the thing about it is, guys, is we're all very approachable. We're all willing to talk to you. We're all sitting down. We're all, there's lots of people you can ask about us. That's not thing. Now, Tyrone writes in from Quebec, Canada, and says, why should I trust anybody where everybody agrees on everything? Okay. For the record, I card the directors agree on a lot of stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. But by saying that, and this is the God's honest truth, we disagree on a lot of stuff. So what happens is, and this is usually how it works. It's not always how it works. But what usually happens is, is the stuff that is agreed upon that doesn't breach what we consider abduction criteria is made public. The stuff we don't agree on, and this is how it's usually handled, any director speaking on it, myself included, I know you all have heard me talk about Betty and Barney Hill before, will tell you, no, this is not an ICAR researcher. ICAR has no opinion in this or whatever. This is my own personal research. Uh, because all of us are doing research for ICAR, but we're all, all, because of what we're into, we're always into something. And occasionally, we'll run across something that will make us think about something else or change our mind, mind or an idea. Sometimes everybody in the organization embraces it. Uh, most of the time, not so much. Most of the time, it's a hard-fought battle to get your, your idea across, uh, which is a good thing, not a bad thing. Uh, the basic stuff, and what we consider basic stuff in abductions, is agreed upon. After that, oh, no, it's, it's, it's anybody's best guess. And uh, you have heard me talk about agendas, but I've talked with November about agendas. I've talked to Jason about, a new, about agendas. And the thing about it is the more research we do, uh, the more agendas we find. So what happens is they can't all be true. So over the years, I've come to understand, I said I come to understand, that most contactees rarely have the truth of anything in their head. I mean, they have the gist of their contact. But when it comes to agendas, there's always these big elaborate agendas, and they're all sprawled out. And the contactee is usually in the middle of the agenda, not so much. That's not how ET does business. <laughs> but uh, it is teaching us a lot of stuff. As I, as I, I can say it like that, we learn something all the time from it. Uh, we're looking for the stuff that's the same. We're looking for the stuff that's different. We're looking for the stuff that might be slightly different but the same in uh, other cases. Um, there's just a lot here, and there's a lot to go through. And November filters through a lot, and Jason and I do, and everybody else does. And to answer Mark's question from earlier, between the three of us, we've probably interviewed more than 2,000 contactees between the three of us. The organization's way over. That's up in the 17,000, 18,000 range. Um, but we've also got 40 directors working full-time. Uh, we've got a lot of people that are helping out besides that. We've got a lot of people from other groups like the Madrid group that came in. They brought in about 3,500 cases with them, already researched, already packaged, and ready to go, uh, which hasn't even been added to the database yet. Matter of fact... Probably what will happen to that is when I get the uh, the snail mail package, uh, I'll probably send a copy to November and to Jason. Or that, or I'll get somebody in the organization and then have them post it all to one of the online so that all the directors can get to it. It depends what's in it, to who's going to get it. But, uh, you know, we've got that. We've got the, I've got to talk with our Brazilian director. I know he's got a big group down there, and I know they want to participate in all these studies and get involved. So. Uh, and all of that, you know what? Hold on a second, y'all.
All right. Let's clean up that audio just a tad. Yeah. All Sorry. Right. I guess everybody's back. Yeah, November just joined us back. We were just getting a little feedback there. I don't know if y'all... Well, you know, um, pertaining to the last question, yeah, well, <laughs> actually, uh, not everybody in ICAR gets along. I mean, there are a number of us who uh, you know, had a lot of similar experiences, and there are members of the group that have had experiences that I honestly have no frame of reference, you know, by which, make, by which to come to any kind of conclusions. And uh, anytime you've got a group of researchers as big and diverse as ICAR, hell no, nobody's ever going to agree on everything. Um, me personally, if a contactee, if somebody comes to me, you know, claiming to be a contactee, and they start telling me about experiences that I have no frame of reference to, you know, for example, some, you know, type of like, you know, esoteric, spiritual type of experience where somebody started channeling Ashtar Commander, you know, got in touch with, like, the Galactic Federation of Light or something like that. Honestly, and I don't mean this with as much disrespect as it may appear, all of that before, and I really don't want to hear it. I mean, I specialize with, you know, basically a group of contactees that, you know, have had experiences that are similar to mine. I haven't had anything like that. But I will say this, there are other researchers in the group that I will have no problem referring you to. You know, and that's basically how it works here. I mean, no, not everybody. Oh, God, if you, like, throw up any major hot-button topic, um, in even Roswell, for example, you're oh, going to get a thousand different responses. I mean, there are ICAR members that think that it's the most important case ever in the world. You know, there are some that look at it look at it as an important historical case. Me, I don't think it's really relevant. As you know, when you know, I've got literally hundreds of contactees that are having things happen to them today, and now talking to me about their experiences. I mean, it's like that. Nobody agrees on everything here at ICAR. No. So I agree, and for me, for me, it's more about focus. What do I want to focus on? Well, I can focus on the little tiddlywink things that we don't agree on. That isn't going to get me anywhere. If I take the things that, you know, we, we have a tendency to agree, if you think about this, we don't have empirical proof, you know, what science would consider empirical proof. I mean, I got that gray in my house. Okay, go ahead. Oh, well, maybe Joe does. I think we can already agree to disagree. But usually the approach I like to take is, okay, so this is the information. This is what I've gathered. This is the, you know, this is what I have found. You know what? Take it, look at it. Do your own research. You know, let people come to their own conclusions. I can get hung up with things that I don't agree with, all the bickering and the infighting and the politics, and it isn't going to get me anywhere. <laughs> So I just tend to focus on the stuff that I believe is, you know, important. And if somebody wants to disagree with me, so I don't care that everybody's different. They're welcome to their opinion. And, and, you know, and the, the field of, uh, when you're talking about extraterrestrial contact, I mean, that's such a broad term that has all different types of implications and different types of contact that, you know, I don't believe there's anybody out there that can claim to be an expert and understand all of it. I mean, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, I look at this field with pretty much a myopic field of vision that, in a lot of cases, is based on my own personal experiences and others that have had similar experiences. You know, I can kind of tune everything else out. I mean, you can't... I, look at, I mean, it's just such a vast topic that you can't be on top of all of it, like November said. I mean, 
there's sometimes that you just have to focus in and specialize on particular aspects of it and work on understanding the mosaic piece before you back up and think you can understand the whole big picture. Yeah. Luna, are you married yet? If you are, congrats. I didn't see where you posted. I thought y'all were still having showers. So I want to say congrats. Um, man, I'm just telling you, not like it. <laughs> y'all too be quiet. <laughs> I know, Luther, how's it feel getting old, man? I mean, Luther and I are, um, he's the only person I've ever met that shares the same birthday as me, so, you know, I feel... Well, that explains why he's crazy. I didn't know. See, now I know. See, any time that someone has a birthday, one has to be sane, one has to be crazy. <laughs> which one is which? Yes, that's a question, which one is which. <laughs> oh, guys, I'm sorry, I'll behave myself. Um, we got all kind of questions been coming in from all over way here. Let's take this caller right quick. Uh, let's bring the caller into the queue with this caller. Welcome to UFO on the Cover. Hello, this is Sky on here. Hey, Sky, what's up, Dave? How you been? Yeah, uh, Joe, uh, I've heard you talk before about uh, one time you saw a couple of grays down on the beach down there in Louisiana or somewhere. Uh, well, where do you think uh, these grays are hanging out at? Because from the evidence that I've been researching lately, there's no doubt that they're real, but I'm just wondering where. Well, well Where do you think these little guys hang out at? In that particular case, it was Eglin Air Force Base. Uh, that's where they were coming from. We were actually right next to Eglin. Uh, they've seen grays on the beach down there. I, I, we've personally in groups. I've, I've had groups of at least five different groups with me now that have seen actually, have seen physically grays on the beach, and we've probably got another thirty or forty reports. It seems to be, um, okay. It seems to be, and I got to say this seems to be because I'm not sure what the hell this is. It does seem to be some type of gray joint mill lab abduction experience going on here. Uh, it has something to do with the hybrid program and something to do with the breeding program. I'm not sure what, uh, because a lot of the people, a lot of the women uh, who go talk about this uh, room where there's this big silver dish-shaped thing and it, there's a bunch of chairs and they all have stirrups and all on them, you know, for gynecological exams. So um, they're, you know, they talk about that a lot and there's a lot of other stuff that seems to go on there. But in those cases, it does seem to be that the grays are allowing Okay, allowing the humans to observe because the doctor they talk about, which is the redheaded doctor, gets talked about a lot. He's seen by a lot of different contactees in different groups, grays, reptilians, humans. Uh, he's seen a lot. Everybody agrees he's some type of hybrid. We're not even sure if it's just one. There may be more than one. Because uh, sometimes they, everybody always says he's real tall, real big, real broad shoulder and all, but sometimes they say he has like auburn hair. Sometimes he has like orange hair. Sometimes it's curly. Sometimes it's wavy. Sometimes it's straight. But it's always short, and he's always tall, and it's always above his ears. So there are some consistencies to it, or what it is. But anyway, that, in those cases, seems to be Eglin Air Force Base. Uh, the Greys have also been seen out in Honey Island, along with the Reptilians, which uh, is near a NASA facility. So in some cases, I don't know, I don't actually think they're working with the government. I really think they allow the government to observe sometimes, in very select cases. And golf breeze seems to be what we call, well, it's it's a it's what it is is a lot of people go there. It's a good, it's a great vacation spot. If you ever get a chance to go on a vacation, it's a beautiful spot. Uh, it's fabulous down there. White sugar sand beaches, beautiful sunsets, beautiful starlit skies in the evening, no light pollution. It's a great place to be. Uh, but what we found out over the years since something that happened, Linda and I about 30 years ago, 27 years ago, um, happened 
We've learned over the years that a lot of people, uh, I should say a lot of contactees, a lot of abductees are drawn to Navarre, Gulf Breeze, Fort Walton, Sand Beach, Panama City, which happen to be nestled between Eglin Air Force Base and Tyler Field, which are two of the biggest military facilities in the United States. It's just hey, Joe, dinner. Well, I'm getting low on time here, but I just wanted to tell you. Um, it's okay. The UFO that I've seen was, uh, there was an outline of four orange, four orange um, pulsating lights. And, and when, at one time, at the other time, there was, it was a classic metallic disc that was the exact shape of those, uh, it was sort of like when it was powered up, it had a, it was like sort of in our dimension and in another dimension at the same time. But it had a, uh, like a protruding, like a, sort of like a, uh, something protruding out of the bottom of it. Like a, uh, like a, um, some kind of a, um, I don't know what you'd call it, um, something coming out of the bottom of it. Anyways, um, I have to show you this video sometime. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, send it over. You know what? Post it to my um, my uh, primary Facebook page because uh, Sci-Fi Channel views the page. So far, they've picked up three of the videos. Uh, one that I posted, two that other people have posted. On that. Well, I'll, I'll talk to you off the air sometime about it. All right, it. that's cool. Because uh, because you know you know they're probably listening right now. I know they they do, so. but they can't well, do anything yeah. about it. Well, they listen to this show all the time. This is like one-stop shopping for them. Matter of fact, uh, you know, it was funny because I seen a comment a little while ago. Uh, it came from Bruce Willis, and it says, "Hi, you know, um, uh, MK Ultra here. I just wanted to let you know I was listening. When are you going to get to the good stuff?" <laughs> I always get shit like that. Emails like that. We know that we use Skype. We don't have the red light box on anymore, so we don't know when they're listening, when they're not. But when the old days, well, up until a year ago, we used the broadcast host box which has a little red light on it that lets you know if there's an open line. The 10 years that I've been doing radio, that light has never been off on any of our shows, for that matter. Uh, they always listen. Uh, and I've been told by many people that we're like one-stop shopping. Uh, i got a question for you, Jill. Um, have you ever um, uh, analyzed uh, many DV, many DV tape, many DV footage? I have, This yeah. is before, uh, before digital, you know, little mini DV cassettes. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Actually, I have. Hell, I've actually analyzed um, eight millimeter. Is it very easy to dupe those to to create a dupe of those? If if you get the equipment, it's not. And actually, um, if you happen to live in like near a military town, you can probably find what you need in your local pawn shop fairly cheap. Uh, I might do that. I might do that. I'm trying to obtain the or or or, um, depending on what type of disc it is, um, some of the computer readers will read them. Uh, it just depends what kind it is. Some of them you can't. Some of them are actually going to be popped in and put in a tray, and they'll show you what they got. Uh, or just you don't have to bring that one, but bring one with you so they know what, that, what you're talking about, and they'll show you exactly what you need. And a lot of them well, have layers into them. So. Well, uh, we're almost out of time, but... Um, um, I'll send this once I get it. I recognize it. Anyways, um, the other thing I want to ask you was this um, thing that Bassett is doing. Did, did he mention what congressmen are actually going to be attending that? Uh, 
No, he didn't. And I pushed him on that, and I pushed him on the gases, and he told me that he would let me know and everyone else know as they were signed on the contract. Um, so he said once they're on the contract, he'll mention who they are. Oh. Um, but I do know from, from what I talked to him about last night, he's talked to a lot of these people already. He's got ten, tentative agreements with them. Uh, but he doesn't want to make it public until um, he has them on the, on the contract, which I don't blame him for that. That way he can he can dictate what they can say to the press and what what they can't say, and, and that way it doesn't. Well, it's actually a bigger deal. It's a pretty big deal. I just hope the uh, I hope it's a bigger it deal out. than yeah. it's a bigger deal than what Greer did in uh, yeah. 2001. Uh, I just you know whether he can pull it off or not, we're gonna have to wait and see. If anybody can pull it off, it's Steven. Uh, well, All right, I don't guys. That's why Greer ain't there trying to help him. You know, he's got to have a little money in the bank. Give it to the man. <laughs> anyway, and Greer kind of jumped the shark a long time ago, in my opinion. Anyway, well, yeah, he did. When he when he got into that, let me charge you twenty five hundred dollars to have a spiritual ET encounter. Right, so what? So what? I got a question for you, Joe. So what does Bassett think about the civil war going on in um, you know, disclosure land, pretty much right now? I mean, come on. Oh, I mean, we brought yeah. that up. On, on, on one hand, you got Bassett. On the other hand, you know, you got Sala, and a little bit over to the right, you got Weber rubbing elbows with Visaggio, all saying they saw Obama on Mars and shit. I mean, come on, man. What is what? How, how does Bassett noticed? feel about being? From this witness, and I, I'll send a, send you each a copy, and you can um, amazing look at it yourself, and, and you'll be just amazed as I am. All our amazing, all our leave that for now, and uh, I'll, I'll try and contact you. On well, well, Sky, feel free anytime to call in, and I, and I, we do still take calls out of the auditorium. It's just you know when they're in auditorium, it's not two way activity um, unless it's unless it's a purple room or whatever the hell they call it. Uh, they only give you one-way activity. That's why we like people to call in. Uh, that way we get to talk to them. If you're on Pal Talk, we get to hear the question, and then you don't get to hear us until you're through with the question. So, Jason, you know what footage I'm talking about? Um, yeah, that's uh, I mean, that's some of the most interesting visual footage of UFOs that you know I've pretty much seen the entire time I've been. That's of all, I mean, I must have looked at literally thousands of um, UFO videos. Yeah, and that's the one that makes me stop and think, "Hmm, what the hell is that thing?" You know, well, it, kind of even, it kind of even genuinely creeps me out just a little bit. You know, I mean, yeah, especially when you contrast it with a lot of the other um, UFO videos. And I'll go ahead and say this: this is a pretty interesting. Oh, well, this is one observation that I made. 
you know, the last several UFO videos that have gotten out there in the paranormal media and gone viral and everybody's like, oh, my God, what's this? I mean, I'd have to say that each and every one of those is a complete and utter crock of oh yeah, crap. The good video is not on the mainstream media. On the mainstream, it's all Anyways, the video is not going to prove anything, but. Call mm. in any time, baby. Any time. Talk to you later. I always like when people call in. It's always nice. And Sky, it's always nice to have you call in. Uh, November, wake up. Hi, November's right here. Mm. I was listening to the UFO conversation. Mm. You know, I have some information about UFOs. I've always wondered if I should ever disclose it. <laughs> oh, Lord. You got to tell us. Oh, my oh, God. You got to tell us now. I know, I'm just thinking, you know, maybe I should. Okay, I'm going to. Um, because I never made, I mean, I never said, I was never told I couldn't. I was just told to be careful. Yeah, a lot of times there are military X-craft. And so the UFOs that we see will be deniable even by the military. But I do know somebody, I actually know the person in person, person, that uh, got to go to, what was it, was it Lockheed Martin or the other one, Boeing, it was Boeing. And they do test in our area sometimes, these X-Craft. And uh, there was a sighting here not uh, many years ago, and I remember reading about the sighting. Well, maybe 10 years later, this guy's telling me about the X-Craft that was being tested and when it was being done and where it was being done, which actually happened to be where the sighting had taken place in the same time frame. So, I mean, some of that stuff that we see is, you know, our military, and it will always be for them plausible deniability. They're not going to come out and say, yeah, there's a UFO, we had something on our radar. You know, they're going to deny it, of course, because they're testing something they don't want anybody to know. So this one particular one was a very one-seater, very unusual shape, and... It, you know, like I said, it had a witness, but it was actually I'll go out on a limb and say that, yeah, I'm pretty sure that thing's ours, because if you take a look at where that thing's seen, it's either seen, I mean, directly on government property or traveling directly to between two large government installations. I mean, um, these things, are, you know, pretty much have, well, if you look at the sightings reports of them, you can kind of, uh, if you look at the sightings reports of them, you can kind of, uh, yeah, somebody has them. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of projects out there flying around. I mean, you know, especially on the West Coast, it's 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 famous for all kind of black ops projects. You know, from the UFOs flying out of Mount Rainier to uh, stuff flying over Mount Shasta, all down the California coast. Uh, 
um, Oregon, Washington. And, you know, now, you know something that's odd? We've made some friends over the years uh, here and there and there and here. And every now and then, we're bringing directors in that have family and, and higher positions and stuff like that. And it's interesting the stuff you learn. And it's interesting to find out how many people in America that are contactees that have family members working in key positions in places like like Key, Boeing, Milan, JPL, uh, different parts of the government. And I didn't run across this. I, well, actually, I didn't put this together until about a year ago. Uh, we had two new directors come into the organization who both had basically the same kind of ties. And I was surprised. So I started going back uh, through our directorship and through members and, and contactees and friends. And, and I noticed that a, a, a very large percentage of now I'm not like a huge, you know, it's not over 5% or anything like that, but an unusually large percent of them have family members uh, with ties. You know, um, uh, Brenda's sister uh, works for Boeing. Uh, she's actually a scientist on one of the Boeing flight labs. She's way up senior scientist at that. Uh, uh, Jen uh, Jennifer uh, Jansen's uh, daughter works. He, he's just a contact. He's just a, a guy I've been knowing for a couple of years. Uh, his daughter works at NASA. She's in charge of programming their computers on three different facilities. Um, you know, it's just weird how this happens. There's a few others that I could mention, and I'm not going to because I don't want to give those sources away. But um, frankly, it is amazing to me. It, it's it's a little weird, and it, for me, it's even stranger because. I think that if if you're a contactee, that your your family's being taken. So if you have brothers and sisters, and and they're working in key positions in the government or in different agencies, they're probably contactees too, unless for some reason ET stopped contacting them. But frankly, if if you're a contactee and you're working in a high security area like that, I think they're taking you more often, uh, just to make sure you're not tying the two together or something. It is weird, though, and it is something I've been wanting to talk to the directorship about a while now because it's a strange little phenomenon in itself. And, and whether it means anything or not, it may help us long term to, to get answers. But I'll tell you what it's helped me with so far. Uh, it's helped me with a couple of cases. The most noticeable one uh, was Stevensville. Jason and Joe and I and Linda were in Stevensville for the all-women's uh, symposium. And while we were there, we got to hear the witnesses in their own voices at the place it happened talk about what went on. Well, uh, Joe, who was uh, assistant state director at the time, was videotaping the whole thing for me. So he made me an audio copy. I sent that copy. Uh, he made an audio and video copy. I sent that to a friend of ours uh, who works in one of these, one of these flight organizations. She's in, she, uh, she does security for him. And I asked her, what did she think? She's actually a scientist, but she does security for him. And I asked her what she thought. And she immediately wrote back to me immediately and responded, oh, well, no, Joe, that's an, an, and her quote was an, an Aurora-type craft. She didn't call it an Aurora. She said it's an Aurora-type craft. She, uh, she said she's heard about it before. She even went as far as tracking the flight program for me. And uh, it's not even the first time it's flew in that area. It's flew there a couple of times. Uh, so the combination of what she told me and what I had heard for the first time that they were chase planes, not military interceptors. I don't know if you all know the difference. 
a military interceptor is an F-16, F F-18. These days it would be an F-18 Hornet, an F-22, uh, maybe an F-16, but they're getting kind of old now. We don't usually usually use them for that. So if it was something like that, that's an interceptor. Chase planes, you ever see when the shuttle used to land, those planes on the side of it? Planes like that are considered chase planes. They're usually not armed either, by the way. Um, yeah, the little NASA trainer, I forget. Yeah. It's a T... Does it, it's a T... Thirty something. Hell, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, they're fast and they're light and they're maneuverable. Uh, and this is what these guys were describing. So, if this was an an actual extraterrestrial intervention, uh, an invasion, or an extraterrestrial craft, we would have sent interceptors, not chase planes. Well, here's one of the important things about um, you know listening to an actual Stevensville witness at the location he saw it from, you know, pointing out and describing what he saw is I gained a better understanding from listening to this man for five minutes describe what happened than I have reading, I mean, watching different documentaries, oh, yeah. reading thousands of pages of websites worth of information about, you know, about the Stevensville sighting. I mean, I didn't understand what this thing was floating over the sky until, you know, I actually listened to somebody who had seen it with the Mark One eyeball. And, you know, that's one of the important things about this field. I mean, it's one thing to go upon, like, a lot of the research that's out there, but unless you actually get out there and talk to the witnesses, you're not going to get the clearest picture of it that you could. And you're not. And, and, and i got to say, I'm the same way with you. I mean, it's, I mean, it's one thing to hear about it, you know, in some of the, um, like, you know, watching a little National Geographic or whoever did its specials on it. I mean, it's another thing when you've got somebody pointing out where it was in the sky, how it drifted across, what its propulsion method was, you know, seeing rivets on it and, you know, reporting that, you know, he saw the engines on the back of it, you know. I mean, that, I mean, once you hear it from, you know, somebody who had seen it, that completely and totally, I mean, it's, like, that's the only time, I finally heard all the other research and crap done about it did not give me that impression. You know, there's another way to look at this, too, though, as we're talking about UFOs being possibly military craft, which a lot of them more than likely are. You also have to keep in mind that these UFO sightings, these things that zip around in the sky with lightning speed or, or hover or whatever, these sightings have been going on for hundreds of years. So, obviously, not all of it's probably going to be U.S., Black Ops, X-Craft, military, because they've been around for a long time. So, but the, th the point is, is that we've, you know, progressed in our own technology so to where now we have some cute little zippy things that can fly around and hover and all that kind of stuff. So then it really becomes complicated. Well, what's an actual UFO sighting and what was actually a sighting from a, an X-Craft or a Black Ops? And not all X-Craft are even military. Some X-Craft are commercial. So, you know, I mean, keeping that in mind, it, it is. It becomes very difficult to be able to discern you know, what it is that you're looking at, more so in this age and probably back in the 1930s. Well, no, I agree. I, I mean, I really do. It's, it's, I mean, I'm sure a lot of stuff back in the old days was misidentified just like stuff today is. And I'm not sure, you know, when they coined the word flying saucer or the, the, the term flying saucer, um, that it wasn't from one of our craft. Because, I mean, you know, bringing up, like, the historical sightings in the 30s and stuff, I mean, I just wonder about the sheer amount of information that's been lost. Because, I mean, what are you going to do if you um, see a sighting, you know, back in, say, the 1890s or, like, you know, even up to the 1930s? You know, tell some of the people around you that you saw. 
I mean, it's not going to get published. I mean, the most that, you know, it would come about is, you know, you tell a reporter and it ends up in, like, you know, some little corner paragraph of a local newspaper. I mean, I just wonder about the sheer amount of sightings that, you know, basically, you know, been passed on, you know, like some of Grandma's old witches' tales or something like that that are about to be lost because they were never reported. I mean, that's another one of the things that we have to... um look at as researchers in this field is a lot of that information, you know, if it doesn't get recorded or listened to now, it's going to be gone forever. So, you know, that's something I'd like to see a lot of people in the field, you know, come together and, you know, sort of work towards the same goal as getting a lot of these historical sightings down before they're gone. Well, I mean, I think all of it needs to be put down. And at least one thing for sure when we're all dead and gone, uh, we will have all contributed a lot of data to a lot of things in the field, not including probably more than ten or twenty thousand. I think, I think we're personally uh, the station is is this station without our affiliates is at around ten thousand hours of broadcasting. If you add our affiliates and all in, we're probably around twenty twenty five thousand hours. So uh, that's a lot of information uh, right there alone. I mean, that's that's. It would take forever just to sift through all that and listen. Even though they're all all titled whatever, uh, it would still. And that's just that. It's nothing. Not even anything else that any of us are touching on, or that we're doing. I mean, I gotta say this: the next two generations following behind the three of us will have a much bigger advantage than we had when we got started. Uh, but in all fairness, well, either that or the next couple of generations will be living their lives out in their apocalypse bunkers. Oh, that's true too. That's right. What do we, what do we got now? Well, we've got 27 days to Christmas and what, uh, 20, 24 days to the end of the world? Oh, well, man, all those things that I never got to do. Well, now let's, let's talk about this because I know I've seen a lot of questions coming earlier about 12, 21, 12, and they just basically wanted to know all three of our opinions on it. But, November, what do you think? Peace, love, light, death, nothing? Um... <laughs> I know. I I know. This is one of the things. That well, <laughs> you know what, Joe? I'm really not sure what to think. I mean, I honestly don't believe anything apocalyptic is going to happen. I've already had my year of the apocalypse. I've had more miserable things happen to me this year than all combined in my entire life. So, 2012 really, or the December 21st day, really, I don't think could be any worse. I probably shouldn't say that. Do I have some wood to knock on? Anyways, <clears throat> um. You know, I don't know. Some people talk about man being ushered into a new age, an age of understanding, age of awareness, all that type of thing. As far as I'm concerned, that's been happening for, you know, about 12 years or maybe even a little bit longer because I don't think everybody has come on board with this awareness. Again, terms we don't really have uh, for what's happening to people. So that's been happening for a long time. I mean... I'm looking at just getting through next Tuesday. I could care less about December 31st or 21st or Christmas or whatever. You know, I'm just doing a day at a time. I just really, I mean, I can be wrong. I'm not some prophet or something. I just don't see anything profound happening. Well, no, I, I'm with you on that, but I'm going to let Jason answer, and then we'll get into this a little more. Well, all right, December 21st, 2012. Well, if I had to get a T-shirt printed up for that one, too, because I survived the millennium. I survived Planet X, like, six times or however many times it was supposed to kill us. You know, I've survived, like, the planetary alignment, um, that crazy old white dude. I survived his apocalypse date. I mean, I've survived a lot of this crap. 
And I think it's similar to those things. Um, I will kind of make a prediction, though, that, and you saw this, like, um, with some of the Planet X stuff, too, that when was it supposed to kill us first, like May 2nd, 2002, or that was one of the dates, I believe, but... When nothing happens on December 21st, 2012, the believers in that stuff, I guarantee you, they'll come out and be like, oh, oh, no, 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 it's going to be December 4th, it's going to be Christmas Eve, because if you factor in the Gregorian calendar differences, it's three days off, and the, the calculations were just slightly wrong. And then when that happens and nothing happens, they'll be like, oh, well, the mind calendar correlates with this calendar a little ways, and it, the calculations were a week off, and then it would be like a month, and... You know, destruction will be imminent no matter what, so I don't really think anything will come of all of that. But I do have to say this. I wouldn't be surprised if something did happen, not because of 2012. I mean, for all we know, something could happen like the 1859 solar flare, you know, something that we might not have a day or two of warning about, and then, bam, the entire world power grid goes down. You can't get gasoline into the trucks. The trucks can't get food to your grocery stores. And the next thing you know, you're, like, skinning squirrels or, like, killing your neighbor and taking their stash of uh, prepper food or something like that. Hey, hey my chihuahuas are off limits. <laughs> my damn chihuahuas, all you people out there, my chihuahuas are off limits. Uh, besides, this are damn skinny. You wouldn't even be worth your damn time, let's be honest about it. But then again, I'm kind of in the woods, and, you know, I've got, like, two water wells. Yeah, it's, 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 do you think the people from the city are going to go? <clears throat> yeah, that's right. They're going to the woods. But look, Jason lives so far in the woods, the apocalypse will happen for two years before he knows it even happened. The only reason he'll know is because he'll turn his damn internet off and his cell phone. Well, my cell phone doesn't work anyway, so I'll just... <laughs> say, he won't know anyway. <laughs> November ain't much better. She lives pretty far out in boonies, too. Unfortunately okay. for me, I live in the damn city. <laughs> But, 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 we reserved a camp for Christmas, a cabin in the woods, so um, if something does happen, I know where I'm going. Oh, if anything happens, I mean, everybody that I know is welcome to come down to the um, Apocalypse Farm. It's roughly between Dallas and Houston, you know. I have an invitation to the White Mountain uh, Native American Reservation. I would be allowed in. (laughs) Hey, that'd be a good place to go, though, hey. Oh, yeah, we would actually. Yeah, my uh, <clears throat> a friend made that possible 12 years ago. Honestly, I think if anything ever really does happen that's so earth-shattering, it's going to take us all by storm. None of us will have been prepared. Yeah. That's yeah. what I believe. No, really. well, then i got to say, y'all, if the apocalypse goes down, all you people that are, like, getting on these um, apocalypse prepper shows and showing off your location and where all your food stashes and what your defenses are, you know, when I'm starving to death, I'm going to remember some of that stuff. So just think about that. They, uh, well, guys, i got to be honest. I really don't think anything's going to... Uh, we're going to actually be broadcasting on 12-21-12, so uh, if something does happen, y'all will all know, I'm sure, because we will be broadcasting until such a time that we can. Uh, so we will be live. I actually did turn down several invitations to parties. Uh, there's a group of uh, uh, friends of ours, uh, iCar Affiliates, actually, 
that are having a, a Burning Man style party in the desert in Nevada on the 21st. Last I heard, they had over 100,000 people attending. Uh, should be um, should be outstanding, outstanding party. I wish I was going, but I'm not. I decided to go to the broadcast instead. I turned down a couple of local events. There's a lot of 12, 21, 12 parties going on, but it's so close to Christmas that I figured I'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> and and stay and stay home and be a good uh, a good guy. Uh, it's just too close to Christmas to be going out like that. But uh, for the people that are out and about, you know, look, we're going to be broadcasting live. So call in, let me know how your Apocalypse Day is going on. Maybe we'll do some kind of Apocalypse Day special or something. Uh, get all the hosts together and uh, we'll we'll do play by play. You know, like when they track, you know, when they track Santa Claus in, fly Santa Claus in. And by the way, I had a, a someone write into me, a kid write into me and asked me if we would track Santa in his UFO coming in <laughs> for Christmas. Oh my goodness! <laughs> I said, "Well, I would do it. I would do it, but we don't usually broadcast on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, so uh, probably not." But hey, I know uh, Cox Cable and AT and T and Dish Network all have Santa trackers. Oh God, Joe! I, I just saw it in my head. One of these days, I'm going to turn on the History Channel or H2 or whatever got it now, and they're going to Ancient Aliens is going to be on actually an ancient alien. <laughs> <laughs> Give them time; they're running out of topic matter on that poor show, man. I mean, hey, he's already got teleporter technology. I mean, that's true. Uh, he, apparently, he's got nothing more. He's got he can shrink everything down and teleport. He's got his own UFO. I mean, come on, a bunch of reindeer with a sleigh. If I wanted to turn on the hologram projector and miss with people's heads, yeah. Well, Ancient Aliens is a lot of fun to watch, and it's, it, um, I agree with them some weeks. Some weeks I'm like, y'all have lost y'all's effing minds. Um, frankly, I think we're better versed on Ancient Aliens than they are, but hey, but that, we take it from the contactee's point of view, not from the, their point of view. Well, that's not true. I, I'd say in November's case, and I and a few other directors, we take it from the contactee and the ancient history's point of view. Because uh, for me, the reason I think about uh, is because of the Sumerian text and the Egyptian text and the Dogon and the Mesoamerican text all points to that the planet had been intervened and maybe even if not created a race, adjusted a race. So uh, it's not hard for me. I mean, and most of it's pretty well written. That's why I don't understand why on a lot of these shows they stray so far from what's already pre-written in history. You know, their problems is they don't talk to contactees. They, they do some research and they get some ideas from one guy who's wrote one book based on nothing, and uh, then they do a show about it, which is not good business. But I like them. I'm not criticizing November, them. November, if somebody came to ICAR and gave us a TV show, and I was like, okay, November, what are we going to make season one about? What topic would you pick? Oh, Ancient Aliens, of course. <laughs> Well, it'd be a good one. It depends. It depends because. Oh, no, I got more hair than Zoculus does anyway, so that's cool. If you were going to actually, where did we all start? You know, we all started I, I, not ancient aliens per se, as in ancient history. Yep. You know, all the unusual things about ancient history. You start back there, and then you move your way forward. So, if you were going to do an ICAR program, I would think that's where you would want to start, like we did in the old days back in 1998. And then move your way forward. And that's what we've been telling people for years. That is the best way to do it. Hey, let me tell you all something. When I started with iCar, I had a full head of hair, okay? <laughs> big, no, big. Did. Couldn't, couldn't. I did, too. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I wasn't expecting that. Drew me for a loop. 
But anyway, now we don't. You see what happens when you get messing with aliens? Well, I can see Jason in 10 years. He'll look like us. Uh, I'll never be that good looking, but still. <laughs> don't believe the hype. I met Joe a long time ago, and he's had that bald spot for a while. No, no, it ain't a bald spot anymore. Now it's just a big racing slick. But uh, still, hey, you know, it's a racing slick with a ponytail now. Kind of strange. Going for that, uh, that uh, what is that Japanese look? Now you're going for that old man desperately trying to see you. Oh, my phone's ringing. I have to answer it. We're already on your phone. You're good. We're actually over on time anyway, so go do what you got to do. Uh, we we just kind of ranting and raving at this point. Oh, she done left us and answered anyway. See, I just get kicked to the curb. Y'all see that? You know, I've seen Christopher George on. Let's let's torture him. Let's let's torture him. You know, Joe, um, uh, one, one of the things I'd like to see, one of the topics I'd like to see on a future show is um, I think we need to get a medium on here and ask he or she, you know, what do they think about, you know, the whole idea of channeling extraterrestrials, is that even kosher or not? You know, I just so got just, the medium just on. on that a little bit, I mean... There's this topic, the walk-ins, that um, a lot of the people that are, you know, into the more esoteric side of the extraterrestrial equation like to come about, and they describe a walk-in as basically some extraterrestrial or enlightened type of soul will basically come in and take over a body where the personality or the soul inside of it just doesn't want to be here anymore for whatever reason, and I'm like, okay... You guys are saying something like that's a good thing, but to me that sounds an awful hell of a lot like demonic possession. You know, I guess that just depends on, you know, what your definition of a demon well, is. Well, Jason, let's ask the expert. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I, I actually didn't hear what you were saying. I oh, J Jason was te tell him again, Jason, so he can hear you. All right, Chris, you got some of these um, researchers out there on the more esoteric side of the... E.T. equation that, um, you know, they're more or less into the whole channeling thing, and they've got this topic of walk-ins, and basically what a walk-in is, is, you know, it, it sounds a hell of a lot like possession to me, that basically decides that they don't want to be here anymore, and they, and they either, like, move to the side or, you know, just let some other enlightened alien entity come in. And I don't know about that, Chris. N nothing about that sounds very kosher to me. What's your opinion on something like that? Well, uh, well, basically, that's kind of almost like what I do, because when I channel, I, I pretty much leave my body and, and allow spirit to take me over. So I kind of have to agree with that, because that's pretty much what I do. Mm, interesting. Well, Chris, what about a situation where, you know, you more or less, I mean, this is what a lot of these people are do, doing, and this is where it really gets to me, where they're more or less vacating permanently and giving up their soul, their body to these entities, and I don't know about that, man. That, well, that, that's not kosher. I mean, I mean, then you're giving your body up, it, it, it becomes possession, and that's what things get uh, kind of hairy. Now, that, that's when you have to bring exorcism into it, so... I mean, that's when things get a little bit uh, screwy. So I, 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 wouldn't, I can't understand why anybody would want to do that, to tell you the truth. Um, the damn evil people in the world is what that is. <laughs> yeah, they are. No, no, I know. I've met a few over the years. Actually, you know, it's funny because I was talking with someone about this the other day, and they said, do you know what true evil is? And I looked over and I said, well, I hope I never actually get a chance to find out. 
And living in New Orleans, I've seen some hairy, scary, you know, back-ass-word shit. But was it true evil or not? I don't know. I don't have nothing to reference to it, and I don't want to find out. <laughs> so I'm not going to go looking for a reference. Uh, I, you know, I, you know I, anybody who goes chasing demons or ghosts or anything like that, I think y'all are much crazier than ufologists are. The worst that we can do is get probed by an alien. Y'all could be stuck in some hell somewhere. <laughs> so I, I never... It, I, you know, somebody the other day I was talking with a friend of mine, Bruce, about this, who does... Um, Actually, he just he's just a ghost hunter. And we were talking about it, and I said, why do you want to talk to anything dead, man? I said, what, what are you looking for? And he's like, well, I just want to know what's on the other side. I'm like, why? I said, you don't like surprises or something? I said, you're going to keep messing around with him. Because, you know, for me, he tells me all the time that I'm insane. He tells me all the time, you're the bravest guy I've ever met. You go chasing aliens. I'm like, my ass, you're chasing demons. I'm chasing aliens. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. I said, I said, and I can see where people can get the two misconstrued, you know. Uh, a lot of the, the, the torture type stuff, I guess, could be considered demonic in a lot of ways. Um, and some of the stuff they say, I guess, could even be considered, like when they took the girl's eyes out and turned around and looked at her and said, now pray to you, Jesus. And, uh, I mean, that could be taken kind of demonic <laughs> if you really look at it that way. But, I mean, in those cases, we know it's not. We know it's, 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 it's extra... It's extraterrestrial. But, you know, it's one of them things. we we just seen you pop on Skype. You know it's dangerous to get on Skype when we're live. <laughs> well, listen, I just I just downloaded it. Um, it's the first time I've ever had it. I had no idea that you were actually going to call me on it. So um, <laughs> it kind of surprised me. <laughs> hey, well, now you know it works. That's a good thing. Uh, actually, Jason, we're like 15 minutes over. Uh, so we'll be we'll be rolling out of here in a, in a few minutes. But uh, when we close out, we'll roll out of here. And I'm sitting here rolling my eyes thinking somebody needs to get my good friend Ian a nice hot pot of black coffee. Oh, yes. Um, he's, he's, been, he's, he's been on the tipsy the last few weeks. Ladies and gentlemen, I know y'all are outside all listening to us going, who the hell is Ian? Ian is a friend of ours from Europe. That you got to remember for him it's, I don't know, what, 3 o'clock in the morning there right now. And he's been uh, sipping too much coffee. But we'll be like, well, some Irish coffee. How's that? He he's been having too much Irish coffee tonight. Okay, all I gotta say is Ian can get away with get away with you know whatever he damn well pleases. Well, he gets balanced. I mean, I see him get balanced from he gets balanced from room to room. I mean, from host to host. But hey, that's each host's prerogative to bounce in when it's their room. Kick their asses out. I, I just personally ignore him. <laughs> Well, the, the, the last second fight we did, we bounced him. Yeah, he, he can't help himself. He gets he gets bounced from time to time. Uh, and my buddy Sasha's now done shacked up and married. And Lord, now they're going to be double probings going on. I can't wait to talk to her. I haven't talked to her in a couple of weeks. I know she just did a TV gig the other day. To be frank with y'all, we're looking at a couple of TV gigs. I, I don't know. You know, a couple of them I missed this, this year because I've been busy, just busy with work work. And I love that. That's why I changed the number off the iCar site because they'll call the iCar site, and it goes to the iCar phone line. And you know, iCar's got some good-looking people in it too. I think we'd look great on. Channel. Oh yeah, and, but but sometimes Joe gets busy and forgets to check the line. But like once every week or so. Last time they sent me one from California from Discovery Channel about doing a uh, setting up a team to do a show, and uh, they called on a Monday and they needed the an- answer by Tuesday. I check the. <laughs> voicemail the following Monday. <laughs> so, But anyway, I called them and talked to them, and this uh, coming season we're going to talk about it again. 
and there's a couple other people besides that that we're talking about uh, doing stuff with. Um, really, what they're looking for is they're looking for a team. Uh, they they want us to set up an investigation team both on UFOs and abductions, um, and start doing some just hardcore stuff. I actually thought about. Uh, at one of the conferences, getting a couple of directors together and getting some good video equipment together and doing, uh, um, oh, hell, what do you call them? When you, uh, um, oh, hell, uh, uh, um, not a promo. Uh, um, I don't know, Joe. You know, I'd be a little bit wary about, um, you know, a Alien Hunters type TV show because I don't know if that would work out real with iCar, man. Get a bunch of us, put us out in the woods with little night vision and cameras. I mean, a lot of us simply don't get scared. I mean, they're going to be like, oh, my God, what is that? Well, you know, that, that's what's his name I used to like on sci-fi. What was the big, tall, goofy bastard? Uh, oh, man, what is his name? The one who used to go chasing monsters and stuff. He used to crack me up, man. Well, there's a lot of those big, tall, goofy bastards. I mean, what do they want us to do? Get out there and try to look for aliens, you know, be oh, yeah, like, on Ghost Hunters, be like, aliens, I challenge you, reveal yourself or some shit. Yes, come but, to me, come to me. We will sacrifice November to the great volcano. Come to us. Add <laughs> stood me back out. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why they want to let you on a reservation, because when the end time comes, they got to have a white woman to sacrifice, because <laughs> they ain't sacrificing none of the Indian women. So. Oh, why? Aren't we the funny one? Hey, I, I know how that stuff works now. Just, I'm just you, you, get a, you get Icar out there playing <laughs> for aliens, you might come back with a body. <laughs> I know, that's the bad part. Actually... We talked about that. I was talking with the, the British lady about this a couple of weeks ago, and she said, I was listening to one of the archives about when y'all were walking down the beach. I said, oh, you'd love that. I said, we never saw any greys that night. I said, but we, we saw something between the women in the front and the men in the back. And you could see footprints emerging in the sand, but there was nothing there. I said, now, I don't know if the camera would have picked that up or not, but you'd have definitely heard it in all of our voices because uh, we were all semi uh, kind of like, what the hell? But still, guys, now, now that could have been anything that night. It just, I, I don't know, the footprint was maybe nine, no, I wouldn't even say that, maybe four inches, five inches, maybe two inches wide. It looked like a kid's footprint, really. Uh, but they, were, they, were in, they, weren't, they weren't there, then they were there. You could see them, the footprints actually being made in the fog. You just couldn't see anything else. Uh, and then every now and then you'd hear the ladies in front of us yelling at us back because they thought we were right behind them, and we were a good... I don't know, 25, 30 yards behind them. So just walking through the fog on somewhere in Gulf Breeze. I think it was Navarre Beach, actually, right there by Edwin Air Force Base. And then I was out there with Crazy Canuck when he said he saw the one coming down out of the gazebo. That was still freaky. Uh, a lot of weird stuff happens right there, a lot of weird stuff. I'm telling you, people, if you want to go see a gray, if you just want to see a UFO, book yourself a hotel room at Navarre Beach. Spend about seven or eight days there. I guarantee you, you're going to see something. If you have any draw to this field at all, if you go there, you're going to see something. Here's what you do. You don't book a, you don't book a hotel room. What you do is you come down on like an off-season Wednesday, just drive up and down the coast, you know, get you a little hotel room somewhere, you know, as a little base of operations and just go out and see what you find. I mean, you can do it on a pretty... On a pretty thin budget, too. This time of year, you can do it cheap. You can stay in Panama City as cheap as $30 a night right now in, in Panama. Pensacola, it's going to be more closer to about 60 but 
uh, any of those places. You can stay on Bluxy Coast at the casino, as a matter of fact, this time of year from between 30 and $60 a night, except on Friday and Saturday. I mean, uh, especially in winter, I mean, you get to come down, it's still going to be 70, 80 degrees outside. And, I mean, like Joe said, you can, I mean, get you a room on the beach for like 20, 30 bucks. Well, we spent three days. We were just in Panama City. I'm going to post these pictures to Facebook. We were in Panama City for three days. I booked the room uh, on Priceline. I usually use Orbis, but I booked it on Priceline. It was uh, $36 a night. It was in a very nice hotel. You walked out of my room onto the beach. Uh, to the left of my room was the hot tub and the big pool with the waterfall and the bar and all the lights. It was really pretty. On the right side was the heated pool. Right behind us was the beach. Right in front of us was the restaurant. Uh, it was a great place to stay, and it cost it cost me for three nights what it normally cost me to stay at a casino for a half a night. Uh, I was amazed. And just recently, we stayed at the Hard Rock for less than 50 bucks a night. So this time of year, you can come down here. You can enjoy gas. It's cheap down here right now. It's right at $3 a gallon uh, compared, you know, to the rest of the country. Uh, the hotels are cheap. Uh, the casinos, if you're out and about, have the buffets during the day. You can get a huge buffet for 10 bucks. Uh, uh, before three, after three, it's about fifteen. Uh, so you can really come down on a cheap budget, have a good time, and really see the sights, and probably see an extraterrestrial. Uh, and there's lots of places to go observe for sky watching: Stennis NASA facility, Eglin Air Force Base, the Mobile facility, the Pensacola facility, the Panama City facility. All of these places, you're going to see something weird flying around. Whether it's alien or government, you'll have to decide that, but you will well, see. Well, Ben asked, um, Ben asked, in the room asked, uh, will I see a grave if I go? Well, I can't guarantee that you'll see anything out of the ordinary. Um, I can show you several locations where graves have been reported seen. Um, and hey, even if you don't see anything, for like a hundred bucks, you just spend a relaxing weekend going up and down the Gulf Coast. You know, right. either way it goes, you can't really lose. But if you're a great contactee, you'll definitely see a gray. Uh, I can't say if you're not, if you'll see one or not, but if you are, you'll definitely see one. I ain't even no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, there are a lot of weird stuff that happens down there. There's a lot of scary stuff that happens down there. Uh, ask the host of Dawn of Shade. She'll tell you about one where the horses were screaming one night and uh, and she just weirded out for like a week after that. Uh, there's a lot of weird stuff happens out there. So be prepared. Mm. Bring a strong constitution. And enjoy yourself. You'll have a lot of fun, and you'll probably have an experience. And it's not the only places. I mean, uh, there's places out in Puget Sound uh, where they're seen regular. There's places in California where they're seen fairly regular. There's places in Texas where they're seen fairly regular. There's places up in New York where they're seen fairly regular. Uh, what is it, Valley up there? Um... Oh, hell, if a guy was called up in New York, they're seen there pretty regularly. Hudson Valley, uh, they're seen up in there uh, on a fairly regular basis, almost bi-nightly. Places in the U.S., if you're patient and you've got the time and you've got good cameras and, and good clothes because it gets cold this time of year, uh, that you can see stuff. Uh, you just got to go out and look for it. Uh, That's so the main key to it is basically the outside, pay attention to the sky. It doesn't get any simpler than that. But we need to let November plug the research site one more time so we can get out of here because I know we're like a half hour over now. Yes, thank you, Joe. Jason, I really enjoyed the program. The research site is icar-research.com.net.org. Lots of things. Or icarresearch.tk. 
Uh, you should get to the research site. There's uh, currently the Dream Research Project up there. The event tracker is up there. Results from two other projects is on there. Uh, minor updates are up there, and there's another project that should be up there at the end of this week, and two more coming down the pipeline. Mm-hmm. No, now, Ian, I'm not saying that on the air. <laughs> First off, she'd smack the hell out of me, and she'd have to reach through her phone to do it. Um, you see, just kind of, I will say is he is a man of impeccable taste. Yes, and, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> I didn't see the comment. I don't want to know. <laughs> it's not a bad comment. It's just no. I know it's not a bad comment. <laughs> Ian, Ian, see, y'all, Ian knows better. She flew over there once and and turned Ian inside out and left him like that for a day and then put him back. And ever since then, he's been a little off a little bit. So yeah, well, I heard he was waterboarded for three weeks. I don't know what it was, but I know ever since that trip, he has been like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> oh, my goodness. He's like, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. Chris, you still with us? I'm here. All right, well, hopefully we'll talk to you soon. we got crazy Chris on with us, guys. Y'all, y'all should know Christopher George by now. And I just drug him in because... Uh, right when we were talking to you, Jason was having been talking about the demonic and, and the um, the contactees at the same time. Well, actually, the channeling. That's actually what I drug you in for because he was asking me about how did you say it, Jason? Channeling the contact? No, wait, channeling the extraterrestrial. Yeah, and you know that whole walk-in scenario too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, one of these days we'll have to get because y'all know how I am about channeling all, all, right off the bat, so. One of these days, we'll have to get Chris down, uh, fill him up with some good rock gut uh, crown royal, and uh, see if we can get him channeling uh, a gray. I will hear that. Second, listen, Joe, I've already told you I would love to do that. Oh, I know, I know. I, I, we're going we're gonna to set up a show sometime in the future. I'll get with Jason, and I'll get with you, and we'll set up a show sometime in the future. Maybe we'll do it as a pre record, maybe we'll do it as a special on a weekend or something, and uh, see what we can come up with. Um, because it's well, I want to see how it works. You know how I am. You know, Jim. You've been around long enough to know how I am about channelers. So um, I'm always like when people tell me they channel. I know, Chris. I want to see what what comes out of it. I'm curious. Well, there are a lot of aspects where um, the extraterrestrial and the paranormal definitely overlap. So um, I don't know. I think it's worth looking into. Probably a pro B. So it's better to let him try. Because I, I don't, I don't think non-contactees, I, I don't think non-contactees can contact ETs. So you know, probies only. <laughs> Y'all don't write to me about the probie word, okay? Just, just get. You know how I feel about that, Joe. <laughs> Chris is like, leave me the hell out of this probing stuff. You know, I'd rather deal with things any day over over aliens and probing and all that other stuff. What did that guy tell me the other day? He's forty-eight. He writes to me. He said, "I think I've been probed by an alien," and I'm laughing at him. But he said, the only, the only reason I thought that, he said, I remember being probed by the doctor for his prostate exam. He said, it just felt so much the same. I'm like, you did not just, and wait, I thought the guy was jerking me around. He was actually being serious. He got in a great detail, more detail I'm going to tell, share with y'all. But I was like, uh-uh, he just did not write this to me. Oh, Lord, I would have in the very she'd love it. It's hilariously funny. Uh, and but I mean he's he's absolutely 100% sincere and very serious about this and, um, and it was just so funny the way he said it because he said yeah I just had that prostate exam a couple weeks earlier and it and, and it just was so much the same thing and and you know I was reading it so it was all right to laugh when he called me I was having a hard time not laughing when he called me because I didn't want to be rude but it was getting funny 
And he started laughing. I'm like, dude, I don't know what to tell you, man. I said, they don't usually do that after about 16, man. They usually move on to other stuff. Uh, I said, there are some occasions in your 20s where they might, and I've heard of once or twice in their 30s, but in general, the probing thing is like, you know, a three or four time event over a 40-year of abduction. So it's not like it happens all the time. And I don't know why. I mean, I pick on it because I think it's funny, but I don't know why mainstream latched on it so hard. Um, I mean, they, and they just laugh. I guess, I mean, I- anyone over the age of 40 probably had some type of exam along those lines. And um, I, I just don't know why the, the mainstream audience or the mainstream media just latched onto that one particular part. There's so much good information out there about abductions and so many good witnesses with outstanding credibility. Uh, but no, they don't want to talk about that. They want to talk about the guy who got probed. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's more ratings. Maybe it's funny. I don't know what the hell it is. It pisses me off. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I, I get into. It. I mean, that's that's part of the problem of the field. You've got legitimate researchers out there competing with, you know, interesting stories that make a good fifteen-minute segment on TV. Well, ever since I started writing those, uh, I I have started sending stuff. I've gotten really bad about this. CNN, NSNBC, ABC, CBS. I write to all of them now. I don't care who they are, what anchors they are, who they are. And I learned in early time, I, I'd write stuff like I didn't agree or disagree. No one would even acknowledge it. Now when I write the way I write them now, they're like, oh, yeah? <laughs> I get instant response. I mean, instant response. Uh, it's kind of funny as hell. Uh, hey, you, you can't let the bullshit go on. you got to challenge it. doesn't matter what it is. And this is true, ladies and gentlemen. This doesn't matter in any aspect of life. When you know it's bullshit, you need to call it bullshit. It doesn't matter whether it's the president, the nurse down the street, the school teacher, the doctor, the lawyer, the judge, the alien. It doesn't matter. When you know it's BS, you need to call it what it is. Okay? And just stop taking the status quo. Stop being sheeples. November says she shaves sheeples. So y'all better watch that shit. Uh, Anyway, guys and girls, we're going to get out of here. Jason, any parting words? Chris, anything you want to say before we leave out of here? Uh, yeah, I mean, tomorrow night um, I'm going to be doing a show on uh, spirit attachment, and um, it should be a great show. Oh, spirit attachment, evil aliens coming. Oh, no, evil spirits coming for you, sorry. See, I still got the aliens in my brain. Uh, Jason, anything else before we roll? Oh, I really have to say is um, all my usual suspects out there, you know who you are, and I love you. Um, be sure to go to com. Take advantage of that event tracker if anything um, out of the ordinary happens. You know, let's go ahead and get some air so we can start crunching that and noticing trends and, you know, keep on keeping on. Oh, actually, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, Donnie, um, Donna, I'm sorry. Uh, no, yes, it is a separate site, but it is part of ICAR. November Hansen is our as our, our Oregon State Director and she is in charge of research for the organization. Yes, it is on a Google site. She put it there because the um, the site builder has the tools, it automatically correlates, it finds similarities on it. I mean, it does a lot of the work for you. It takes out a lot of that sitting there and reading, all she's gotta do is go back and double check now. Uh, that's why it's there, yeah. I, I meant to say that in the show and I just forgot. Uh, but no, it's 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 what it is. It's it's all part of the organization. It's all under the same roof. It's just a different site. Uh, so feel free to go over. Um, take care of what you need to take. You know, just be get involved it, somehow. Get involved. Whether it's reporting your encounter, getting involved, listening to somebody else. The site is um, 
Well, the main site is www.icar1.com. The other site is icar-research.com. Feel free. They're all on the other sites. You can find them on all. You, if you have a hard time, it's linked off a of UFO on the covers main site. It's linked on the Paranormal Radio main site. Both of the iCar sites are linked to it. So uh, icar-research.com. Feel free to go over, click. Uh, there's a lot of information there. Now, to confuse y'all, go over there, do all, take all the stuff that's on there, all the questionnaires and all, and all the research things. Then go back to the iCar1 site, and you can find the uh, answers and information from the previous projects done. Yeah, see? You can go to one site and take it and go to the other site and see what the conclusions was from the earlier projects. And that's the way these will go. When these are done, these will go up on the iCar site and new projects will go up and the old projects will stay. They'll just get pushed further back and that's the way it will go. And it makes it way easier and it allows for everybody to get lots of information. And i got to say, it's changing ufology. I can promise you this. iCar has allergies in ways that, that are for the much better and will be much better in the future and I guarantee you when it's all said and done we'll have, we'll have changed ufologies in ways that even we will have a hard time realizing it's just nothing like this has ever been done before nothing that we have done in the last two years has ever been done in this field before ever and we get probably less respect and less press than anybody in the field and have more followers and more members figure that one out <laughs> Uh, thank God for alternative media is all I got to say. Anyway, we're going to get out of here, guys and girls. I want to thank everyone for hanging out with us. I will be guest hosting on Tree Sheridan's show Friday night. I believe Stephanie Bonetti said she's going to be joining me as well. Chris will be the guest. Uh, Chris Chris Holly, I believe, is his name. Damn, I hope I got it right. I will check and post it up. But uh, Teresa's out right now, and she'll be back in a couple of weeks when she's back. Y'all will get her voice, which is much nicer than mine, and she's... Uh, a much more professional host than I am, so I'll be looking forward to her return. But until then, I will be guest hosting for her. And if it's going to be an extended stay, there may be some other guest host that comes in as well. Anyway, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get out of here. Jason, Chris, thanks for joining me. November, hope you're still listening. Glad to hear you on. You sound fantastic. To everyone else, enjoy your life. Have some fun. Smile. Yes, I know the world's coming to end in 21, but until then, have some fun. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs>